Perfect. All right. Parker Exotics. Yes. Parker at RP Exotics. Yes, sir. (laughs) I just want to start this off with this. How old are you? 20. 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And when did you start your exotic car business? So I was 18 uh, at SLU. Yeah, my freshman year of college started it. So two years, and the two years, how? What, what's the revenue on the cars you've sold? Uh, for 2020, we sold, well, be, between 2019 and 2020, we did 15 million in cars or a little over. Oh, my and, gosh. And uh, the company revenue was 650000 for 2020. So that was our best year. Um, and the most expensive car we sold was the 488 for 420 The white one? Uh, the red. Okay, I'm yeah. thinking of the F1. The F8. F8. F8 Tributo. Yeah. F8. Mm-hmm. That, that shit's insane. Yes. So it, it's a, uh, yeah, we, we've had some fun ones in yeah. there. I'm, I'm, really ha- I'm really excited to unpack your story because 20 <laughs> years old and you're doing the, that, you're like just the business you're in, the money that's coming in. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's been super fun. It, and honestly, everyone told me to not get in the car business. I'll yep. never make any money. No one in the car business enjoys themselves, and they're all sleazeballs. Um, so, like, my plan was I'll make money doing something else, being a lawyer. And then when I'm, like, 35, I'll start a car dealership and just have fun and let it lose money. But I'll follow my passion. Um, and then when I was – I had worked for an exotic car dealer when I was 15 as an intern, making, like, 10 bucks an hour just cleaning the cars and cleaning right. up the shop knew that I didn't want to be a detailer cleaning the cars. So I started following the salesmen around and just kind of watching what they were doing. What uh, business were you working for at that point? Exotic Motors Midwest. Exotic uh, Motors Midwest. Where's they, that at? They used to be located on Manchester in Rock Hill. Oh, okay. Uh, across from Nacho Mama's. Yeah. No, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like Manchester and McKnight. And they, you know, they had all the cars parked out front. When I worked for them, they were at a different location. Um, but I, so I worked for them for three years or so until I was 18 um, after I had left in September, they ended up shutting down like eight, six, seven months later. Um, so they're no longer in business. So no competition there. Right. Um, which was perfect. But anyways, in, in terms of that, yeah, I started with an internship at 15, um, worked for them, followed the sales guys around, kind of learned their whole trade. And then just became friends with all the guys who owned the cars. Um, and when I was in college, I needed drinking money and I had quit the job there so I could focus on school. And so I'm like, all right, you know, to one of the guys who used to be a customer there, Hey, pay me 500 bucks. I'll throw your Maserati on eBay. Yeah. Um, so he did it and we sold the car in like two weeks and I just made an eBay listing and photoed it at the slew parking garage. Wow. Um, and he paid me 500 bucks and then referred a friend with a Corvette who gave me a thousand. And, and that's how it kind of turned into a deal is we focus on consignment. So we yeah. sell people's cars for them. Uh, like real estate agents for exotic cars. Right. And the way we met was I was trying to, it was actually before I moved to LA because I was thinking about getting the Tesla before I moved to LA, remember? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I pulled up with the i8. Yes. And that was when we were we had like just started too. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. How many months in business? What mo- When did you come by? That would have been October 2019. Okay. No, so we had been around for like a year, um, but you were the first person who came in that wasn't like, you know, a 60 year old doctor, a lawyer, you're the first young customer. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so you pull up in this I eight and I'm like, finally a young guy, like someone who I can talk to and relate to. Um, and we hit it off over the Alec monopoly stuff. Cause I think oh, yeah. saw my paintings through the windows. Yep. Um, yeah, I love that car. I ended up at yours is the first I eight I bought. So we'll, we'll buy some cars too. Um, my focus is consignment because free inventory, you know, I'm 20, I can only afford so many cars right now. We try not to take any lines of credit or debt from banks. Um, we want, free cars. You know, we'll take our commissions, make less money, but move at higher volume. 
and your A8 we bought. We ended up buying a few more because I just loved driving them. Right. Uh, and they're just fun cars. I, I miss that car a lot. The thing that, is badass. That selling experience was the cleanest I've ever had. Like, it was right in the pandemic. I remember that. Mm-hmm. I came in, and before I even left, the money was in my account. I've never had that happen to me, like, before. Usually, it seems like it takes a couple days. They need to transfer it in these big box, I guess, dealerships. Mm-hmm. But you're so smooth. Oh, I appreciate it. We try to be... I tell every customer, I'm like, I want to be the opposite of what you think of with a car dealer. Yeah. I don't want to sell like a car dealership usually. And and part of that is with the cars in consignment, there's no pressure for us to sell them. Like, it's not my money tied up. So if you come in and you look at a $200,000 car and decide you don't want it, I'm not going to be calling you every five seconds going, buy it, buy it, buy it. Because oh it God. doesn't really change anything for me. And and with sell, or buying the car from you... Um, man, we just, we have no desire to be like a normal car dealership. Mm-hmm. We, we don't want to be known as car salesmen. We don't be known as a normal car store. We want to be our own image and, and our own brand of kind of like we're changing the industry. Right. Um, so try and make it as simple as possible. Have you ever been burned on a car before? Yeah. Um, when I worked for another store, like the, the, the worst scam I've ever seen, um, we were buying cars all the time, making quick wholesale flips. So, you know, i Say I find a car for a hundred grand and then I'll find another dealer who will buy it for one Oh three. So I'll buy it flip it and just turn that money in a day. Is, is it complicated with like the registration and all that? Do you not even have to register it as a dealer? It's super easy. You know, we can kind of jump around and there's lots of rules and, and laws that kind of help us move faster. Um, and on the scam, this guy sends me, I say, okay, you know, send me a picture of the car. Got it. What's the mileage copies of the title. And we agree on a deal at like 85,000. I have the car sold for 95. So we're thinking like, we're going to kill it. This is great. Quick 10 grand. And, you know, he sends me copies of the title, sent me his driver's license, and we wired him the money. <laughs> Again, this is at another store I was working at. And um, the truck driver goes out to pick up the car like three days later and knocks on the door and says, hey, you know, it is so-and-so there. And they're like, that's our son. He's 45 years old and lives at home. He doesn't, he doesn't own a Mercedes SL. What are you talking about? And, uh, and we're like, well, we have his driver's license right here. And it turns out someone had photoshopped, taken this guy's identity, stole it, oh. photoshopped a title, photoshopped a driver's oh. license, found this car on Craigslist, took the pictures in the VIN and everything, and essentially sold us a car that never existed. Um, so that was the worst scam I've ever seen. I also had my Hellcat stolen when I did rental cars. Um, oh, oh <laughs> you used to do rental cars? Yeah, I tried doing... Um, Rentals on Turo. You're familiar with Turo, right? Yeah. So it's it's like people rent out their own cars. Um, I listed my, I had a Dodge Charger Hellcat I was leasing at the time. And I put it on Turo because I'm like, I'll make my lease payment if I rent it out three times a month. Right. And this one guy rented it, tells me he's a music producer. And I'm like, sure, have fun. You know, <laughs> I'll see you in a week when you're back. And he never returned. Wow. Um, so that car got stolen. Yeah. You, ne- you never recovered it? Mm-mm. Insurance covered it all. You know, we, we did everything right on our end with verifying, but another one, fake driver's license, mm. fake identity. So like in my two or three years of, of being in business, I've already seen, you know, I, I feel like yeah. I've seen every scam possible. Uh, so we're pretty weary of it, but you know. Well, what's the thing that a lot of cars have that have the trackers on it? Yeah. So in like my Hellcat in 2018, every Dodge product came with a tracking device. In 2017, they didn't have that. Mine was a 17. Ah. So so now they all have trackers. And you can track it from your phone and whatever. Um, or like when Randy Gorey was killed, you know, and they stole his Rolls Royce, um, the guy in Illinois, they had to call Rolls Royce corporate and Rolls Royce corporate tracked down the car from the UK. And that's how they found the guy who killed him. Wait. Oh, okay. Can you explain this? I didn't, I didn't know. Who is Rory? 
so his name's Randy Gorey. Oh, Randy Gorey. Okay. Yes. So he was a lawyer in Edwardsville, Illinois. Um, great guy, super well known in this car community around St. Louis and Illinois. And he had a collection of probably like 30 or 40 Ferraris. And when he was at home one night, this guy broke into his house, killed him. Yeah, oh my gosh. Locked his, you know, tied up the kids. Holy um, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's a whole, whole deal behind it. And the investigation's still going on. They caught the guy. Um, so he killed Randy, robbed him, and then jumped in Randy's 2020 Rolls Royce Cullinan and drove off. And he had like, he showed up with a Joker mask on and Randy's co- girlfriend is the one who like showed up and kind of scared him where he ran out. It was a whole deal. But yeah, Rolls Royce is the reason they were able to find him because of the tracking device. Wow. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah, the, the the tracking device is so crucial. I've never had anything happen to me like that. It's just like, I don't feel like it's like a lucrative thing to do in 2020 to steal a car. I feel like you're definitely going to get caught. I don't know how you get away with it. Granted, like my Hellcat, they never yeah. found it. So That's crazy. <laughs> I, I guess that guy had a good payday. Like, how could they even find it? Honestly, if they don't have a tracking device. Man, I've got no idea. I, I, I will say, I looked at the Carfax like probably a few months ago just because I was curious and I stole the VIN. So I pulled it and it says that now it's a salvage title car. So eventually oh. he must have wrecked it and totaled it somewhere and it ended up in a salvage yard. Or maybe he totaled it and then got scared and <laughs> then just never responded. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking. I don't know, but the dates were off and like the Carfax didn't make sense. So who knows? But. Speaking of Carfax, auto check, biggest scam in the world. I told yeah. you about that. You bought the car. I have that key by the way i need to get to you what happened again it was your uh the camry yeah i find this camry it was right when i sold the i8 and mm-hmm. i was just sitting at that, at that apartment which by the way i sold that i8 and i was able to like 4x the money on the i8 so i'm like <laughs> happy with the sell i'm happy with the sell bitcoin you know mm-hmm. yeah, perfect. <laughs> but but uh it was right up the street i'm like oh this is perfect this is like three or four thousand under like kelly blue book all i need is just this little car to get me by until i move and all this stuff and then it's checking out. It's going smoothly. And then the guy shows me an auto check and I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, checks out. But then when I go, I think when I sold it to you, right, you ran yep. a Carfax and it yep. said I'd been in an accident before. Been like T-boned. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and then I look up the details like online of what Carfax, I mean, what, why they use auto checks. And I actually, maybe you told me that like mm-hmm. auto checks are used to hide the, the damages a yep. lot of the times. Auto check is, and so like a, for, Car people who search on car gurus for cars, car gurus pulls from AutoCheck. They're like the only ones who use it. So there is some justification there. Um, but AutoCheck's pretty much a joke in our industry and like yeah. the way we look at it. And it's a great way to kind of scam people who don't know what they're looking at. Um, at the same time, Carfax is like a necessary evil. As dealers, we hate Carfax because it's kind of bullshit, you know, like a to it could be a shopping cart that hit the car and Carfax will call it a $20,000 damage because they just don't know. It's never accurate, but people like live by it oh, and yeah. think it's the end all be all, which unfortunately we have to buy cars that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's super common to see dealers scamming people with that and, and fake Carfaxes or a lot of times we'll see dealers. They'll have a Carfax from like, you know, 2018 that they'll show you and change the dates on it. Yeah. So then you look at it and you're like, Oh, it's clean. Well, in 2019, the car got in an accident and you, know, yep. you can kind of go back and backdate them and, there's so many scams you got to watch out for. Eventually, everyone gets caught, though. Yeah, there, there's a bad stigma with used car sales and scams. Like, uh-huh. it was funny because I wrote a bad review on that car dealer's um, page, and I was looking. They responded to every single review except <laughs> mine. Even they would, they would even like argue against the negative ones. They couldn't mm-hmm. even argue against this one because it was so clear. No justification. So that's why it's like you're in a niche where it's like. I don't really see exotic cars. Like, there's not really that stigma in the exotic car industry, but there is that 
in that Sigma in the used car industry. So what do you think of the future of like Carvana? Do you think that's going to really overtake this, the general used car dealerships? Man, the few people I've talked to that have used Carvana absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. Um, Carvana is, you know, you, you buy the car online, you get it. They give you seven days to drive it around, put as many miles on it as you want. Or, you know, there's a certain, I I think it's a hundred. Yeah. So you you drive it around, see if you like it, and then you can return the thing if you don't want it. And, um, so I've never heard a bad review from it. Now I know Carvana is losing money and they pay way too much money for cars. Yeah. So I don't know how that business model works. I don't know how they're actually profitable if they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think eventually if they can get that down, it, it will be the future of used cars. I don't see it affecting my industry nah. with the Lambos yeah. and the Ferraris. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, you just heard me on the phone with the guy, you, you got payoffs involved and you got to check the clutch life. You know, if the clutch is at 30%, well, that's a $20,000 problem. If the clutch is at 80%, well, you don't have to worry about it. And there's in the clutch is one of a thousand things to check on these cars. Um, on a Toyota Camry or normal cars, you don't have to worry about it. Buy it online. It'll be yeah. easy. I, my guess is Amazon will end up buying Carvana um, oh. and, and Amazon will be the, the center for it all. Oh my God. Yeah. I could totally see that, especially yeah. if they're like losing money because mm-hmm. Amazon would have the resources. The only bad review I've heard about it was this one guy is like, such bullshit. They didn't let me negotiate the price at all. It's like, no, oh, that's kind yeah, of the that's point. That's the point <laughs> is where they're trying to change the whole car industry and, and the way it works. And like, quite frankly, I, I get it. I hate selling cars. I don't really do any of the selling unless it's like, you better, you call me and you're telling me that you trust my opinion and you're going to let me handle it. But if you're going to fight me and like make me really work to sell it, I just won't sell you the car. That's Um, good. And my business partner, he handles all the sales. So all the sales leads that come on from the internet, you know, they go to his phone. My job is to buy the cars and consign the cars. Um, I like figuring out what stuff's worth. I like, you know, getting stuff bought and making it a really easy process because people are used to dealers being assholes and trying to beat them up and, and really treat them horribly. Um, so I want to make it as easy as possible. That That's where I enjoy it. Yeah. The mind game part of that is just annoying yes. where you can like, you know, sales and you know, when people are using sales tactics against you. Exactly. And that's the thing is like in this industry, our customers can afford these cars for a reason, right? Like you didn't get a $200,000 car on accident. You're right. smart, you know, and, yeah. and you're successful. And I want to learn from the customers too. That That's what makes the, the industry so fun on the exotic side is I meet someone in every different industry every day there's no tricking these guys. There's no scamming them. And as soon as they sniff out that you're trying to, they'll just burn you and go to the next store. You know, there's no shortage of exotic car dealers. Yeah. And they don't keep it quiet either. Like uh, you scam one person in that industry, they're going to uh, let their friends know. And then the friends know, and then it goes on like that. Especially in St. Louis and especially yeah. in cars. If you have a Lambo, you've got friends with Lambos. If you have a Ferrari, chances are you hang out with other guys who have Ferraris. And right. you're going to tell every single one of them if I'm the best or if I'm the worst. Yep. So Again, we our margins are a lot smaller than a normal store, um, but we churn and burn and just high volume at all times and, and just try to keep people happy. Which car do you think you've had the longest? Like, like what's the hardest to sell? No, like, do you have one that, that you've just had for like a long time? Like, have you sold that crazy Mercedes truck that you got? I've never seen yeah, that before. Yeah. You sold that? Uh-huh. That wow. one moved pretty fast. So that one we sold in probably six to eight weeks, uh, which... Here, if I get a Lamborghini Huracan in, I'll sell it in two weeks. Easy. That's my bread and butter. Same with Gallardo's. Um, that Mercedes was a little weird, so it probably took two months, I would say, to sell. But yeah, we sold it to a guy in Malibu. Wow. And, and we're like, what are you going to do with the thing, man? It's called a Mercedes Unimog. Yeah. Massive. It was like 20,000 pounds. He's like, I'm going to go pick up my daughter from school and surprise her. And, <laughs> and he's like, I think I might wrap it pink for her. We're like, great. You know? <laughs> so it, we meet super cool people on that. Um, in terms of longest cars, like, Maserati sit around forever. Yeah. They're hard to sell. Um, I had a Lamborghini Diablo forever, like 
nine or 10 months that another dealership had actually consigned with me pretty much saying like, here, I've, I've got my money in it. You'll do a better job of listing it and marketing it. So you, you make the listing and I'll pay you a commission to sell it. I'm like, Great. I get a Lamborghini Diablo and I don't have to put any money in it. Well, we sold it right in COVID. Cause he's like, I need out, make that thing go away. And we sold it for 145 grand. That car today is probably worth 200. Damn. And that that's like the most regret I have of not having enough money to just invest in the car myself. Right. Um, crazy. And the market will go up and down. Right now, the car market's nuts. I'm, I'm paying like 20 or 30 grand more for Huracans than what I was last year. That's what I was going to say. Did you see like a spike in sales when COVID hit? Yes. Yeah, so March and April during COVID, worst months we ever had. We yeah. made no money. Like I was working from home. Um, and I'm like, well, this is the end, you know, it was a fun <laughs> run for a year. <laughs> um, and then May hit. And at the same time, everyone was scared of, you had this group that was scared of COVID saying, sell all my shit, just get rid of the cars. My, yeah. I'm going to lose my business. Who knows what's going to happen? The market's crashing. So we got like 20 new cars in inventory. Well, on the flip side, you get all these guys who got the EIDL money, you know, so yeah. they're getting $200,000 loans. They're getting PPP money that they mm-hmm. didn't really need. And in cities like St. Louis, we didn't get shut down. Like there wasn't, it's not like California. It, it, there wasn't right. that big of an effect here. So I had 50% of people saying, sell everything for me. And 50% saying, I want to buy everything. So wow. it was like May, June, and July of last year were our best months ever. Um, I mean, absolutely killed it. And then this year around, on top of COVID, there's shortages in production. So all the computer chips. Oh, that's why. Mm-hmm. So the reason the car market's so nuts is all these cars get their computer chips from like two manufacturers. And the manufacturers make the computer chips for pretty much everything. And they're saying, well, cars are the least of our priority right now. So we're going to make them for computers. We're going to do it for all this other technology, phones, whatever. We'll get to the car stuff later because it's for, it's like the um, the U.S. fuel regulations. That's what the, the chips are used for that we're missing right now. So what they're doing is they're shipping like 10,000 Ford F-150s to these ports. And they're just sitting there yeah. waiting for the chips. You can't do anything with the cars. They won't run. They're not moving. They're just sitting waiting for them. So there's no new cars out there. So the used cars, I mean, if you went out and bought a new F-150 last year for 50 grand, you could sell it this year for 60. Wow. It's, it's just nuts because there's, there's such a shortage. And that's the same for every manufacturer. Lamborghini can't get any cars out right now. So all the Lambos that should have gone down 30 are up 30. Um, and it's just crazy. So we're, we're just trying to buy and sell as many cars as we possibly can right now. My bit, one of my big regrets. Well, now I wouldn't say big regrets, but because I might have like crashed it or something. But <laughs> I almost bought an NSX instead of the yeah. P100D. Uh-huh. I looked at it; it was right in that downturn, like March, April. I think it was April, uh, twenty seventeen NSX, three thousand miles on it yeah. for one hundred and seven thousand dollars. That is cheap. That's a hundred and thirty thousand dollar car now. Yep. Yeah, I just looked it up. They're selling for around one twenty to one thirty, and it's yep. just like I'd never expected a spike. But it make it kind of makes sense looking at it because a lot of people made money with Bitcoin. A lot of people made money with the stock market, and mm-hmm. a lot of them were young, so they're just looking to buy what they exactly. never had. And if you can't go on vacation, you can't go anywhere. Right. Like our customers who are in construction businesses, killing it. Pool mm-hmm. businesses, killing it. And every car dealership is killing it because it's like you're stuck at home. What else are you gonna do besides buy a car to go drive around? Yeah, I heard even used boats are yeah. up to another <laughs> level right now. Uh-huh. And boats, RVs, campers. Oh know. man, have you have you ever gotten an RV before? I have someone offering me an RV right now, another dealer trying to sell it to me. My end goal with my business would be to be the, for lack of a better word, consignment king of everything. Mm -hmm. I want to put up as little money as possible and have as most inventory. So I want to consign jets, airplanes, boats, RVs, campers, all that stuff. 
right now I don't have the time, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out, I'm in the stage of how do we scale from here? You know, we've got a reoccurring client list now that keeps us busy. Um, but what are the next steps to growing that? So we need a bigger building, you know, we have 12,000 square feet. Well, now we need 30,000 and then we'll start bringing in campers and RVs. And, and yeah, I'm, I want to be able to sell everything. I'm, I'm good at, at marketing the cars and, and building the brand around it. Um, it's just, I'm not an expert on that stuff. Like if you bring me a 1965, you know, classic muscle car or a 69 Camaro, I'll have no idea what to do with yeah. it. I, I just sell it to the next guy, uh, to the next dealer. Cause it's not my expertise. So I need to find those people. I'm trying to bring in more people who, who know more about different parts of the industry than I do. Yeah. Your building's packed right now. Yeah. And I'm, I'd like to keep it that way. Um, I just, I want to bring in more stuff than just what I care about. you know, instead of just having Lambos, Ferraris and Porsches, I want to pay a guy to come in there and sell Mustangs and Camaros for me and, and sell airplanes and sell boats. So. Are, you, are you tied in with the jet community in St. Louis? Cause I know there's a small community, but. So we've got customers who are, who are into it and it's just making a phone call to, to get those introductions and, and start to move into it. But at the same time, I don't have the time to learn about it right now or, or learn about the jets um, and, and planes. Like yeah. it's, it, it's so hard to already keep up with all the new cars coming out and everything that I'm like, if I could just find someone who's really passionate about jets yeah. and, and use my branding and my marketing and kind of the infrastructure we've already set up for selling, then we'll start consigning all that stuff too and just put it under the RP exotics brand. Yeah. There's just a jet in the parking lot. Yeah. Out back. That'd that, be so that's what I want. I really want to hangar at spirit St. Louis. One oh, of, that'd be so cool. One of my customers has a hangar down there. Um, if you look at the four GT, we have listed on our website, mm-hmm. those pictures are inside his office and next, you know, you open the door right behind the GT and then it's a hangar with like three airplanes in it and helicopters. And it's the coolest thing in the world. So that would be the end goal for me. It would be like a hangar or two to, to sell out of. Damn. What's been your favorite car that you've ever gotten? Honestly, the McLaren that I've got parked out front right now. We can go, we'll go drive it after oh, this. Oh, definitely. Um, it's a 2018 720S with a tune and exhaust on it. So it's like 900 horsepower. Holy fucking shit. Uh, I had a blue one last year that was stock. I didn't care for that much. This one is killer. I just bought it this week. I love it. Um, I had a black Aventador. Oh, yeah. Those are probably my favorite in terms of like driving experience. You know, they're just badass. It's cool. It's loud. It's obnoxious. Uh, the doors go up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's, it's just a cool car. The Huracans are really good if you're like a young guy who wants to just jump in a car, drive it everywhere, and beat the shit out of it. Yeah. Um, the Aventador is more of like you take it out once a week, maybe. Mm-hmm. And those are the types of cars I like. You know, the like the really crazy nutso. The, the McLaren's a good intermediate. Um, but I'm anxious to hear what you think of driving it, it fast. It's a cool car. Oh, you're going to let me drive it? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's no, going to be awesome. Yeah, we'll go Fuck take it for yeah. a ride. I've always wanted to drive a McLaren. The 720S specifically, because mm-hmm. my two favorite cars are the Aventador and the 720S. Yep. For sure. I guess under the million dollar price point. And then mm-hmm. I really like the new Conan segs where the doors go up on the other hinge. Yeah, like the 90 degree thing yeah that's so cool the four I, seater mm-hmm. what, what's it called do you know um oh god i should know this but it's like electric right the new one so it's i think it's like a 2200 horsepower electric motors that drive it on the new koenig oh but i can't gosh. remember the name it, it's yeah. a it's one door but four seats but the door is massive like the door is as long as the car mm-hmm. you know and then it comes straight up like you're saying 90 degrees They're cool cars um, probably before I get to jets, I need to figure out how to get some million dollar cars, you know, Pagani's and Bugatti's and, and all that stuff. Do you think, what do you think with this whole electric EV thing going on? What do you think the future is of the car? Cause like, I look at it like this, it's like, okay, you got Ford, you got Toyota, you got all these cars. 
when they make an electric car, it's still like an electric Ford car. But my generation, our generation growing up, when they go to get an electric car, they, I don't think they're really thinking, let me get a Ford, let me get a Volkswagen. I know they're trying hard. I think they're going to be more attracted to the Tesla, the Fisker, the Nikola. It's going to be interesting to see. I think the exotic cars are all, those brands are going to be around forever. I know the next Lamborghini is supposed to be semi-electric. Yep, first stuff hybrid. Like that. So Ferrari's coming out with their first hybrid right now. Lamborghini will have their hybrid in a few years. Um, the Ferrari one actually is just now getting delivered. We have one coming in, in a few weeks, the SF90. Um, is is that hybrid different than like the LaFerrari hybrid? No, it's ta- it's the exact same technology. Gotcha. So now they're taking the LaFerrari and putting it into a production car for the public. I, I think 700000 around is what the sticker was on it, which is a bargain compared to a LaFerrari for two or three. Um, I'm a huge Tesla fan. Like in terms of what I daily drive, anytime I own it, I, I drive whatever I have at work, you know, <laughs> instead of having a personal car. Uh, but if I have a Tesla, I'm driving the Tesla. They're yeah. great. At the same time, I don't see how Volkswagen doesn't come out and just stomp on them. I mean, I, I think Volkswagen and Ford and those guys are going to come out with way better technology and they've just kind of been letting Tesla feel out the market and, and eat all the bugs. Um, <laughs> I'm not the biggest believer in Tesla being around much oh, longer. Really? I, I could be totally wrong, but and to your point, like maybe the younger generation that's coming up is going to be like, screw Ford, like screw Honda. That's what my grandparents drove. I'm getting a Tesla or a karma. Um, I don't know, man. It's tough to say it's, it, we're definitely all going to be driving electric cars who the winner of that market is. I don't know. Yeah. Um, anxious to see how it turns out. Though. We're going to see, I mean, cause when you look at those car companies, they're in some massive, massive debt right mm-hmm. now, especially I think Ford's the worst. They're like billions and billions of dollars in debt. And someone like Tesla, I don't think they're in too much. Debt. I'm pretty sure they're only a couple million. It, it wasn't that long ago that Tesla was losing like Five grand or seventy five hundred, I think something crazy on every single car they sold. Yeah. Now the way these corporate structures are set up, it above my head, and, and what, it's like the Carvana thing. You know, they're losing money, but their evaluations going up every month. Um, with Volkswagen, I mean, you got to keep my Volkswagen owns Lamborghini, they own Porsche, oh, that's they own, right. You know, Bugatti, they own everything. You know? That's right. Um, you got to imagine they'll imp- they own Bentley, they'll implement it and everything. Um, and just, I think they'll kill it because two thousand thirty, no more. Uh, 2032, I think, right? Is that a California law or is that a federal? That's a, that's a Volkswagen's uh, promise. They're getting okay. all bent. I remember seeing the Bentleys. I remember seeing the Volkswagen actually in uh, the American project name for electrifying their cars is a Volkswagen. Okay. That's what they're saying in Germany. <laughs> I gotcha. So uh, yeah, they're, they're very dedicated to being all electric by 2032, which is why their stock's up crazy right now. So w- your point making like, how the port, how they own Porsche and Lamborghini. It makes sense how they could come out and stomp on them. They'll but, implement the same technology. Audi, they own that too. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. We'll see though. Cause Tesla has a large, a 10 year jump on them in terms of tech. Yes, true. But in my head, I, I have to assume that this whole time they've been working on, it. it's not like they've been sitting there watching Tesla being like, Oh, that'll never turn into anything. They've got to know the electric deal is going to be big outside of the fact that mining for the lithium ion batteries that they use on the Teslas mm-hmm. hurts the environment more than just driving yeah. the car does, you know, with the emissions, you know, we've got all this stuff with emissions regulations and you got to do this gas mileage and you got you can only have three cylinders or four cylinders. Well, shoot, by the time you make the electric car, you just hurt the environment even more. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that needs to be figured out there. Um, God, who was I talking to the other day? Someone brought up hydrogen cars, you know, and, mm-hmm. and why is Elon Musk not going for hydrogen? I think it was on the Joe Rogan podcast I was listening yeah. to. Someone brought it up. 
Um, it'll be really, I think next 10 years we'll see a lot of changes, but isn't California making a law that you have to have like all electric or, or well, they can't sell any non-electric cars. I think it's somewhere crazy, like 2045 and China is the same way. They're getting rid mm-hmm. of all, all gas power cars, which my mom thought of something. She's like, where are they going to get the energy to power all, all this electric? And so I don't know. I don't know anything about that feel about yeah. Because I know there's regulations coming down on oil and and gas and all of this where they want to kind of go into more solar. But they're thinking that nuclear power might be the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? nuclear? Nuclear power. Because nuclear power, if you look at it, it, as far as I know, it's one of the cleanest methods, but the most dangerous by far. Because we saw what happened in Hiroshima. It's, it's toxic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one wrong move and it could literally destroy the entire city. But mm-hmm. if it's contained, it's apparently pretty environmentally friendly. Okay, interesting. Uh, I we'll see what comes of it all. Right, I, I don't really know where it'll lead. Uh, but I, I'm not the biggest believer in Tesla being around a whole lot longer. I'm dealing wow. with like their service department and buying the cars. They're, they're trying to change so many things. It's a pain in the. Every time I buy one and I call in there and they're like, "Well, you have to set up the app and register, and then the app takes three days." And you know, it's this oh whole thing. Gosh. With a Mercedes, I just show up and say, "Here's my credit card," and and you're done. Yeah. Um. So there's a, a lot of pain points there, which is why I, you know, who knows what will happen to the car industry? It's probably one of the most like volatile industries, in my opinion. Uh, they have a horrible reputation. You know, everyone yeah. everyone thinks we're horrible people and, and sleaze balls. Um, they're trying to change to electric cars. I mean, shoot, half the people, you know, guys like Kevin O'Leary are going, never buy a car. It's a horrible investment, just Uber. Um, oh, yeah, right. So who knows what will happen, which is why I'm trying to diversify into other stuff, and I'm interested in talking to you about the, the Bitcoin deal and yeah, cryptos. T- we were talking a little bit yeah. before. You took your first Bitcoin mm-hmm. transaction. How did that go? That was nerve-wracking, uh, super nerve-wracking. So this customer, I've sold him like three or four cars, and that's the only reason I considered doing the Bitcoin deal um, was because I'm like, man, at least I know Mark won't screw me if something happens. Um, and he paid, it was like a seventy dollars or $80,000 Range Rover. He paid half the value in Bitcoin. So we locked down a price, you know, at the time it was trading. It was like right when it had crashed back down to 50 or 51, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, man, if it drops to 45 today, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> so um, we locked in a price of like 50700 and he sent me over the exact Bitcoin. And man, it hit in like 10 minutes and it just showed his pending and, uh, it probably took another hour for it to clear my account. I transferred it straight to USD right after. Um, and it was a super easy deal. You know, we transferred into my business account and it really using Bitcoin for that transaction really helped me see how valuable it is and, and why it'll be so big in the future. Um, was it wallet to wallet? Mm-hmm. And yeah. what were, what were the fees on that? Do you know? Uh, I use Coinbase pro. So it was like 160 bucks for 40 yeah. grand. It's amazing. It really wasn't much. And like, so for me to send a wire transfer, I've got to, which is how we normally buy cars or sell cars. He would do a wire. So he's got to get all my wiring info and make sure every number is correct. Right. So he's got to get my bank address, get beneficiary name, yada, yada, yada. You got to fill out these sheets, send to the bank, takes hours to process. Wires can get lost. They charge you 25 or $30 to send it. And it's a pain in the ass. And it, can't it only process Monday through Friday? Monday through Friday, certain times, like my wire cutoff time for me to send, like I can only buy cars between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m., <laughs> you know, for my wires to clear. It, it sucks. Like I buy cars at 8 p.m. at night or I'm with you right now on a Saturday morning and you just, I bought a car while I was sitting here. Um, oh, you then, actually just bought a car? Well, I'm saying like the, oh, the oh. Lambo we were talking about oh, before yeah, we started. Yeah, the, the yeah. Murcielago. Um, and anyway, so with Bitcoin, it was instant and we didn't have to involve anyone else. I texted him my wallet address. He copied and pasted it. And we were done. And, you know, a big part of what we do is 
well, hey, I want to lay eyes on the car first when my transport driver gets there. You know, I buy cars from Los Angeles or Miami all the time. So I'll send a truck out. Guy gets there in Los Angeles, and he'll call me and say, hey, the car's good to go. It does exist, and we're here. Well, then I got to send the wire. Now my driver's sitting there waiting for five hours yeah. for the wire to clear. With Bitcoin, that money's there in 10 minutes. Um, and it was, and it, you get rid of all the banking stuff. You get rid of all the, the BS that's involved. It, it's super usable. I mean, I, I, I think it's going to be huge. I'm, I'm a huge believer, especially after bought, selling that Range Rover. It was for like a 19-year-old girl who bought it. You know yeah, I, mean? I was going to say, so so a guy named, a guy bought it for his like daughter? For his daughter, yeah. Okay, because yeah. I was going to be like, damn, that girl <laughs> bought four cars yeah. from you in Bitcoin. Yeah. No, it was her dad bought a bunch of cars, and, and they came over to it when I had that open house or car show, and they saw it, and super great customers. They're awesome. Yeah, how'd that go, by the way? I'm sorry, I, I didn't realize it was even going on until after it was done. Yeah, you I don't come out. to any events. I didn't um, know you threw events. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, this one was a little more low-key. Like, I don't post about it a ton, because you've been to my place. My parking lot's small. My, yeah. my neighbors hate me so they don't let me use their parking lot. Oh, yeah? Yeah, my neighbors, are. it's like a charity that's next door, and mm-hmm. they hate us. You know, oh, man. They've got to listen to loud cars going in and out all day, every day, yeah. uh, and motorcycles, and people revving their engines. So they say, no, you're not allowed to use my parking lot. So we tried to keep it small, and, of course, it overflowed into their lot, and I get an angry email from the neighbor, <laughs> you know, on Monday. But You know how you can fix that problem? How's that? Make a tax benefit donation to them yeah that's true but Tax i can't deductible. i'm too prideful i can't, i almost did it i almost wrote the check and just like here's an apology note let me use your lot for events yeah but the guy's such an asshole you know like he'll come out screaming and stuff if there's a car that's too loud and whatever so now we kind of feed into it we're, we're we handle it a little immaturely uh, yeah. but that's what you get dealing with young guys in the car business i guess so what's the st louis car community like um it's a very conservative market and at the same time, we have a ton of cars here and there's big collections worth 20, 30, $40 million of cars that are just down the street from you and I, um, the guys just don't show them off. You don't see them that much, but we have a huge car scene here. And that's the only reason I've been successful. Like when I got started, who's going to trust an 18 year old with their car, right? You know, and, and these guys did, they, I grew up in St. Louis. So I knew them through going to the car events and just kind of helping them out when I worked at exotic motors. Um, They've been awesome, man. Like, they'll, you know, these guys are trusting me with their leaving their $100,000 Lamborghini, $200,000 Lamborghini. And, and now, you know, we'll say, hey, pay us 5% commission when we sell it. And they've got all the trust in the world and they just kind of let us handle it for them. Um, we've got it, the fact that we're in St. Louis and the market we're in is, is by far one of the biggest reasons we were successful. Definitely. It is not, you know, if I just popped into a random town and started doing this, no way. Um, and, and that's part of us scaling right now is I'm trying to find people in more cities, um, you know, like we get a lot of cars out of Fayetteville and Little Rock, Arkansas. Yeah, there's a lot of cars over there. Yeah, and just because I met a guy on Instagram, Ryan Malone. Um, I was, at that time, I was like 16 working at Exotic Motors. Ryan was in his 20s, he's like 25, and he had a green Lamborghini. Self-made, entrepreneur in, in Arkansas, smaller town. Um, and he introduced me to all of his connections and all his friends and all his clients. And man, we've pulled tons of cars out of there. Wow. Uh, and, and so we're trying to do that. Now we're doing that with Tulsa. Um, so like pretty much any exotic car in Arkansas we're getting right now. We're going for Tulsa next and Oklahoma city. Um, Kansas city is next up on my radar because they don't have an exotic car dealership. So we're just trying to hit all these cities that are like four to five hours away where I can send a truck and bring it back to my place. Would you ever consider a second location or is there no reason to? I really want to. My fear is everyone I've watched try to do it has failed. Gotcha. Um, the the exotic car dealers that I look up to and and that have really built incredible brands, 
it's never worked out. Like Chicago Motor Cars opened Chicago Motor Cars Las Vegas. It was gone. Exotic Motors had Exotic Motors South. It was gone. And, and these guys are killer. Like they're experts in the industry. I don't know what happened, but it seems like it doesn't work. Like you're better off just shipping the car back to the one location. And I don't know if it's a management thing or what. Um, like my moving company is really hands off. This business, I'm like, I have to be attentive to it at all times. Oh, that's right. You had a moving company. You still have that moving company. Mm-hmm. Tell me yeah. a little bit about that. I forgot about that. Uh, God, I've never it, really talked publicly about it. Is, it. is that how you started? Like right before, like, cause you, okay. If I got the timeline right, you're working at exotic motorsports, motors, Midwest, motors, Midwest, but did you have the moving company at the same time? No. So I, exotic motors, Midwest all through high school, went to SLU, started RP. Um, dropped out of SLU. I finished a year of SLU and then decided I'm not going back. You know, once the car thing started taking off, right. I'm like, I'm just going to stick with this. And, and there were nights where the what car... What you want to do? Yeah, I'm like, here, there were days where I'm going, what am I doing trying to start a car dealership at 18? Like, <laughs> I'm, now I'm fucked because I, you know, I, I put it out there that I, I built this brand so I can't shut it down. So, I mean, there's nights to sit in my dorm room crying being like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. Like, I, no one's going to sell me their cars or no one's going to give me their cars, but you just figure it out. Um, and it was a lot of just having friends and people in St. Louis help. But anyway, so, um, we had that going. And then in June of 20, we, one of my friends was working for a moving company and, and kind of struggling just with, you know, what's my path in life and where do I go next from here? And college wasn't really working out for him. It wasn't the right move. Um, and I'm like, man, you, you need to start a moving company. You know, you need to start your own company, work for yourself, start your own business. And worst case, if it all blows up, you go back to school or you go back to being a normal kid. Like, why not at least try it? The overhead's not that big and I'll fund it. You know, I'll, I'll write a check to to at least fund the startup costs and just give me a a piece of the company. If it works out great, if it doesn't work out, at least you tried it. And when you're 40, you're not going to be able to, so you might as well do it now while you're 20 or 21. Um, and man, that business has killed it. He's done awesome. My, My business partner, Luke on it. Um, all five-star reviews, take perfect care of customers. If they break anything, we write a check to fix it. Like we are trying to, I mean, when you think of a moving company, I don't know what your experience with, is with them, but they suck. Like they're it, gross. They reek of pot and cigarettes <laughs> and you know, they're, they're breaking your stuff and they're, they're running through your place and they don't have any care. So we're like, we're going to pay our employees the most. We're going to put them in uniforms and dress them up, tucked in polos, khaki pants, like Movers like you've never possibly seen before. Yeah, white gloves. <laughs> yeah, like literally white <laughs> gloves. You know, they wrap everything 20 times with pads and just the very best of the best um, for a little bit more money, and it's killed it. So yeah. did you run that, or did you actually do the moving too? Um, so, no, I've never did any of the moving. I just said, here, I, you know, so I built out the website on Squarespace. I do, I handle all the accounting. I fund it. I pay all the bills. I handle the insurance and all kind of like the back-end business side of things. Because uh, I had already learned my lesson with RP of all the stuff that yeah. you forget about and signing leases and whatever. And I'm like, you take care of the customers. You book the jobs and move the furniture. I'll handle the business side and let's go rocking. And I, we're killing it. Um, we're almost a year in. And I just rapidly trying to figure out a scale. So we have three trucks right now, and then we have to keep consistently rent more with 15 employees. Um, and we just need more trucks. I mean, that, that's our only hold up. So the, the moving thing has been awesome. And really from all these customers, I've learned everything from my customers. You know, that's the coolest part about my position is, is I'm, it's none of my own stuff that I've like taught myself. I'm just, I guess, meet people and hear their stories and then kind of pick off of it. Yep. And everyone, all these millionaires have seven different businesses they're involved in. And they've all got a piece of this and a piece of that. And they're investing in stocks and cryptos. And then they've got businesses and friends they invest in. And eventually it all comes together. Yes, sir. Um, so man with the moving thing, 
I don't, I don't take any money from it, but it just keeps growing and growing. And for me, I, I don't really care to take any profit from that company until it's worth 10 million bucks. And, and we're fighting with two men in a truck and college honks and those big guys. Speaking of which, fuck you, two men in a truck. <laughs> Why I, I worked for those guys for 15 days. You want to you? You know the behind the scenes of two men in a truck? Absolutely. So I found out every job I've ever had, I got off of Craigslist. Uh-huh. Best word of, if you, when people say I can't find a job, Go to Craigslist slash jobs. I guarantee you anyone posting on there is desperate enough to hire you. Mm-hmm. So I got to, I got a job at two men in a truck and I get there and these people are like convicts. Like there's bad news. <laughs> and I talked to the guy and he's like, yeah, in the first two weeks, on average, we have a 50% turnover rate. So only half <laughs> the people say after two weeks. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. So I send this presentation. My buddy I actually got my buddy a job, Tony. And he said that uh, there was a, a fight broke out during the presentation and the guy had to, like, he got fired during the presentation because they were fighting. But um, here's how they work. Their schedule is you don't know if you're working the next day until after 5 p.m. the previous day, and you call in. And so every day? Every day. There's no weekly schedule. It's are, are you working tomorrow? Wait till 5 p.m. call, and they'll say the names that are coming in. Then you got to come in at 6.45 a.m. the next day, and three things could happen. One, you could get there at 6.45 and they say, oh, we don't actually have a job for you. You can go home. <laughs> Two, you can get sent out on a couple jo- You can get sent out on a job, come back, and then that's when you find out if you're going to go out again, which you can. You can work all night. Or three, you get a job that's like here to Fayetteville, Arkansas. And then you're yeah. gone for like a couple <laughs> days. You have absolutely no idea. No heads up whatsoever. No heads up whatsoever. And then on top of all of this, the the management's heavily scamming people. I'm, I'm going to say it. Heavily scamming Throw people. Throw it out there. What Every, do you mean? Everybody knows this. All the workers knew it. I'll give you my, my this thing. This is such interesting industry insight Oh, oh man. <laughs> These guys were horrible. And the, the guy who owned it would pull up in his like brand new like Porsche every day. It was uh-huh. like horrible. And he was literally ripping people off. It was like a common thing with the employees. Like they're taking money out of the checks. I know it. And they never did that to me until I quit. <laughs> and so I quit the job after two weeks because I'm like, this is horrible. Like, my first day, the guy driving the truck was falling asleep while, while driving the truck saying, they, like, I, I need sleep, but they won't let me sleep. You know, I, this is my third day in a row work until 11 p.m. And the guy's like screaming at the top of his lungs. And I'm like, oh, so after two weeks, um, they say, be prepared to work every day. But Sunday, we'll never call you in on Sunday. So I go to the lake Saturday because I know I wasn't working Saturday because of Friday. And then I get a call on Saturday saying you got to work Sunday. And I go, no because like that and they're like no we're gonna need you so i go hey i'm just letting you know that i quit i'm not coming in you guys literally said no sundays and i'm not about to drive back so they're calling me saying no what well, okay it's fine just come back on monday i go no i'm quit. i'm done with this job all how together. long have you been there two weeks it was horrible <laughs> i go i'll just pick up my next paycheck on on thursday so i go and pick up the check on thursday and it's like i think the check was like for 364 and it was 150 dollars short because like I did the math and it's like one hundred fifty dollars um, new employee fee, so I go in there and I'm like, "What is this? Like, how'd you take one hundred fifty dollars out?" And they're like, "Dude, I wish I had the recording on my phone, so I would definitely play <laughs> wait, it." You, wait, did you record? I your... recorded this conversation because I knew they were with sc- the manager. Yeah, I knew they were scammy, sc- scamming motherfuckers. So I walk <laughs> in there, and I'm like, "They're like, well, in the pamphlet it says that 
if you quit, we, we're going to take a, a deduction. We're going to dock your pay from $10 an hour to $7.50. Okay. Luckily, I printed out the whole presentation. I go, where? Where? <laughs> where? And I, I, I'm in, I'm on, dude, I can't believe I didn't say this. I'm on the audio and I'm like, you guys are literally scamming people. You can tell that like this is a lawsuit. And the thing is, I'm not the only one who's saying this. I know plenty of people who have the same experience. So if you don't give me this money you owe me, I'm going to take you to court. And the guy goes, listen, buddy, I know at 16 years old, you're trying to play this legal game, but I just want to let you know, when you're coming in as a pit bull, I mean, when you're coming in as a chihuahua, we're the pit bulls here and we're going to chew you up and spit you out. And he's like using all this intimidation factor. And I go, yeah, but you don't understand. I got a lot of chihuahuas that are going to come. So this is going to be a class action. And I was like, I guess I'll see you in court. And mm -hmm. so I walk out and then my friend Tony, who also quit, um, had a camera ready and mm -hmm. we were about to film this whole story right out front. And then that's when uh, the other guy called me and goes, uh, come back in and we'll print you a check. No shit. Yeah, man. That's the, the taking advantage of the age thing oh. is so prevalent. It's such bullshit because now with like with YouTube and clubhouse, I don't, are you on clubhouse? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that type of stuff in the audiobooks and whatever and podcasts, at 16, you can still learn a ton and be fairly knowledgeable about that. And these guys just want to rip your heads off and take total advantage. Yeah. And it's, it's, I guess it's, it's not just the car business industry or the moving industry. It's all this stuff. I mean, you just got to watch your back. It, it's crazy. That was, that was probably the quickest thing I learned was just how fast someone will fuck you. Oh, easily. just doesn't care. I mean, no one cares about you. It's really hard to find people who care about your best interests. You got to, I mean, it sucks that you have to be that cynical. But in my opinion, at least, the only way you can be successful is to really watch your back. And you can't trust anyone. Keep, keep a tight circle. Absolutely. I don't, I mean, I don't have many friends. Like, yeah. You know, I I, have, I know lots of people, but the people who actually know me well and who I'm close with, it's tight because you just, you can't trust anyone, especially with the internet, social media and all that stuff now. I mean, how many people from high school have hit you up? Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, like, and especially, well, and they all ask Luke or, or they'll ask like my other buddies because they know I'm pretty private. Uh, like, so how much money is he making? You know, how, how much, how, what do you think he'll fund this idea? You know, oh, man. some guy from middle school texted me the other day and he's like, Hey man, I'm investing in a commercial real estate property. Would you take a look at it? And I'm like, well, sure. Send me the info. And it's like, you know, this hut in downtown St. Louis. And he's like, he's like, just wire me a hundred grand. And I'm like, no concept of how this stuff works. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure you, I mean, you're out there in the yeah. public, so you probably get it all the time. All the time. And it, it's an unfortunate thing. Cause like a lot of these guys, I was good friends with mm -hmm. you in high school and maybe in college, but we haven't talked during my darkest times during the Uber phase. We haven't talked in years. Mm -hmm. So t even if you're hitting me up out of good intent right now, I can't look at it at a, Oh, he's just hitting me up. It's because it, more than likely you have an agenda. And I know that question's coming. I had this girl, this is the funniest one. This girl, my water ski team, I was on the water ski team at Mizzou four years ago. Water ski? Yeah, water ski. Like, 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 uh, we hit the jumps. We did. Like, the, what? You go out onto a lake? Or? Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, actually, there was about eight colleges that participated: Wisconsin, uh, Marquette, all these. Okay. So on, <laughs> it was like four weekends every semester. We would all go to like maybe Marquette's Lake or Wisconsin's. Get super fucked up on Friday night. Everyone's partying <laughs> like I've never seen before. I've never seen bigger drinkers in my life than this. Mm -hmm. Wake up on Saturday, competition all day, do the same thing, and then leave. But this girl, she joined. I've talked to her maybe twice. She hits me up the other day. She goes, 
Scott, you won't believe this. Last <laughs> night, I had this crazy dream that we met again and you taught me drop shipping and like I ended up being super successful from it. Ha ha ha. Anyway, do you think we can make this dream a reality? So it's here's like, the oh, link to my YouTube channel. I yeah, I don't even, I don't, I used to respond, but now mm -hmm. it's just like I can't. It sucks because like, again, some of these people I have nothing against, but I know your intent mm -hmm. is not. Right. And, and where were you in the year that I was building the yeah. business or, or the years, you know, the, the time spent, you know, like I said earlier, you're sitting there crying going, well, how do I keep up this up now? Or, or how do I actually build this into something? Yeah. Didn't hear from any of you. you know? And then, then it's, it's, as soon as it's out on social media or in the yep. internet, they're all over. The only, the people I did hear from are the people that are around me here mm -hmm. right now. Yep. Exactly. Uh, same way. I mean, I, for my one year at SLU, I was trying to work and build the company while I was at school. i I don't talk to, you know, and they all kind of looked at me like, who is this kid trying to start a car dealership while he's oh, in college? Yeah. I don't talk to any of those guys anymore. And nope. some of them will reach out, whatever. I, I just high school buddies, you know, like real close yep. high school friends and, and that's it. And guys through the car business. But yeah. for the most part, yeah, you just got to watch yourself. Oh, 100%. Scary, yeah. I've, I've had uh, people from like my old job I think you know where I used to work. I'd rather not say on like on this because I'm sure a lot of people from St. Louis are going to listen. But like one of the expos used to bully me all the time. He'd throw food at me. He'd always talk shit. He'd be like, like when I'd tell him about drop shipping, they'd make fun of me. Like, mm -hmm. oh, you're trying another get rich quick scheme and all this stuff. Yeah. Funny enough, the guy two years later hits me up and he's like, hey, Scott. So I just want to let you know, I ended up quitting the restaurant mm -hmm. and now i'm a financial advisor and i would just absolutely love <laughs> to sit down with you and have a conversation about your finances he's hit me up like 10 different times no mm -hmm. no no man not i haven't it. it's the best feeling in the world the people yeah. like i'm sure you know the people who treat you a certain way back then mm -hmm. you know it's especially like car business wise you know like the the other dealerships around here i used to be the kid who'd show up on weekends just to look at the cars and take pictures right and they treat you like shit and whatever and oh, then yeah. when i was starting the business oh he's just a kid he don't know what he's doing and now those same guys are like trying to do deals with me or we're stealing their business from from all the dealerships around here and they're like <laughs> hey, you know hey what are you up to can we come stop by and they'll come in and pop in at our dealership and like i one guy who was leaving me fake reviews on my google page from another dealership around st louis oh, that i won't nice. name but once, you know, we have all five-star reviews. I've never had a bad review on any of my businesses. He, he put one-star reviews and left his own name, so I knew who he was. <laughs> <laughs> and then on his own page, he put, like, beware of, beware, Parker, you know, and then uh, it was a whole deal of fake reviews. Anyways, now that same guy, like, at my open house, he shows up and he comes and gives me a hug. Oh, so good to see you. Let's start working together and doing deals. And it's like, it's just funny to watch. that That and also, like, you know, I had a lot of people when I was young and, and being in the exotic car world, you know, meeting these guys when I was 16, 17, they were trying to teach me and educate me on, hey, here's how you're going to be successful and here's how you make money. And there's one guy in particular kind of took me under my, his wing when he was 17 or when I was 17. Um, it's like in his 50s. He's a doctor and he wanted to teach me commercial real estate. So he took me to some of his properties and he's showing me and he gave me his books and he's like, don't get in the car business. You'll never make any money. You need to go to school. You need to get your master's. You need to get perfect grades. And that's the only way you're going to be successful. And, you know, never try to start your own thing. This this is the way you're supposed to do it, whatever. And so I spent like six months. He said never try to start your own thing. Yeah. He's, Jesus. Like, he's like, follow this path. And the guy's got big money. I mean, yeah. he's, he's multi, multi, tens of millions of dollars. And really... You know, I spent a lot of time, got really close to them, and eventually I just chose my own path and went down the road where I obviously am now. He's never talked to me again. Will not acknowledge me, will not talk to me, will not stop by the dealership. Guy has 10 Lamborghinis. 
Um, never want, not one from you though. I nope. bet. will not buy one from me. Will not talk to me anymore. Cause it's like, I, I guess to him it was a slap in the face. It didn't follow the path, but man, it, I couldn't be happier with it. And it's the whole thing. Like just follow your passion. You'll be so much happier that way. Um, it's, it, it sucks that people think it has to be done in a certain way, in a certain direction yeah. and, and this and that. So. And see, it's, I tell people that like, it's okay to think that way. But if you're going to trust advice from someone who does think that way, you might as well trust the advice from someone who's thinking that way from a position that you actually want to be in. You want to be in cars. Yeah. I wanted to make a bunch of money, you know, and and I knew that the car business is not the way to make the most money. You know, I could have gone and been a lawyer and probably made more and and killed it and been awesome. At the same time, I enjoy my job. I mean, I'm doing what I love um, and and hopefully I can grow it and I'll enjoy growing it and enjoy scaling it. I I just, I don't want to be trapped in something that I'm miserable doing. Right. It it sounds like a horrible existence and and following everyone else. And at the same time, like, okay, so say he's worth 30 million. Well, there's also a guy worth 60 million who did the opposite of him and a guy worth 120, you know, and it just, there's so many levels of success that it's like, I quickly realized take everyone's experience to create your own, but you don't have to take like their direct advice yeah. um, and, and take their direct instructions. Cause there's always someone bigger and better. Than right. That. I'm sure like someone like Jim Butler is not hurting <laughs> yeah. or who owns the really huge chain with the, they have the exotic locations. Um, well, STL motor cars was our big, you know, Lamborghini, Bentley, Rolls Royce dealership here in St. Louis. Are you tight with them? Uh, I do more deals with them now. They're a little more friendly to me, but they follow me on Instagram for some reason. <laughs> yeah. They follow like 60 people. I reached out to them twice and they didn't respond. Like, why are you following me? They, so they just got bought out by Holman, which is like a national dealer group. Gotcha. Um, it's man. Like for me, my end goal is to have a franchise dealership like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, the Porsche store here, I work really closely with them. They treat me great. Um, the Lamborghini dealership, we're on okay terms, you know, but yeah. at, at the same time, it's like this 18, 20 year old comes into the car scene and starts pulling away other cars in business. I certainly was not well liked. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they still, I'm sure under the table can't stand me, you yeah. know, <laughs> but it's part of what it is. And and with the moving thing, that's what we're going for too. Yeah. You know, I, I want to be the biggest, baddest, best company out there. So I, that's what I enjoy. I enjoy scaling these companies and like figuring out how to grow them in, in the branding side. And one day you want to sell the moving company. Yeah. The moving company is a business. I want to grow perfect. You know, we have, a, uh, I think like 98 five-star reviews as of, I check the reviews every single morning, 98 wow. five-star reviews as of this morning, um, over, you know, eight or nine months in business. And I'm like, I want to be at a thousand by next year. What you know do you what do I mean? when you get a one star? Do you reach out to them? Uh, immediately pick up the phone, call them, say, Hey, listen, I'm one of the owners. What do we need to do to fix this? Um, in the car dealer, in RP Exotics, we've maybe had one or ba- two bad reviews. Pick up the phone, call the guy, figure out the problem, and it's fixed. Amazing. Um, the moving company, I'm trying to think of the last bad review. Uh, they, the guys had this like concrete, you know, restoration hardware out in the valley. Yeah. They make these concrete tables that are massive. It was like a $6,000 table. Well, like a little piece of the table, you know, chipped off the corner about the size of like my fingernail. And the lady is going nuts. It's structurally unstable. It's not sound. <laughs> I'm going to sue you guys and leave you a one-star review. I'm like, how about I just write you a check to buy the table? That sucked buying a $6,000 table. You still but, have that table? Oh, I still got that table. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have that table forever. It's like a memory to it. And I carved 6000 in the bottom of it. Yeah. <laughs> but, <I'm> like, <laughs> but at the same time, it's. This, the the money is not going to hurt me as bad as in five years when I've got that bad review sitting there. It's like a black eye. It's just a stain yeah. that never goes away. Um, I'm all about the reviews thing. I, I have no desire. It's, it's not about the money right now. I want to build brands that I can sell and that are worth a bunch of money. I mean, I, I want to end up in Florida. You know, my yeah. goal is to end up in Miami like you. Hell yeah. Uh, well, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. You've been dealing with the struggle there. Yeah. How's that going? 
What? The house hunt, the condo search. It's nuts. Did I tell you? Oh, I didn't tell you this. So I check, not right now because I'm going to Colorado, but I check obsessively where it damaged my brain. Literally, I would check 10 to 20 times a day the listings. And there was this day, because there's this one building that I'm really looking at, and then there's a different area I'm looking at, so I check both. But you're not looking to do an apartment, right? You're trying to do like a... The apartment is only in this specific building in Brickell because it's the best. They, they literally have a... A thirty no forty five million dollar penthouse at the top. It's unreal, okay. but it's like the most pristine building. So I check at nine a.m. before the gym. I check at eleven a.m. after the gym. Nothing. Then I check at two p.m. and there's a listing. I reach out to my uh, realtor. She's the best, Flavia. Mm-hmm. She immediately reaches Where out. Where does she live? Miami. Okay. She immediately reaches out. She goes, listing was gone in one hour. Yeah, it's that crazy out there. And so it's like, I would never buy real estate in this market in Florida because I think there's going to be, I hear there's already a shift of a lot of people who move from New York and LA. Mm-hmm. Now that things are opening up, they're going back. I mean, I've started people, they've listed, my my mentor's buddy listed their house for 350 It sold in two days at 640 Double? Yeah, double. It, bidding wars. It, was it, that house was in Miami? Yep. It's crazy, man. It's nuts. I and mean, you can't find a house right now. I've been, I was house shopping. That's what I'm talking to you about taking over your apartment. Cause I'm like with everything it being so inflated and the price being so high, you got to think it comes back down. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Well, I talked to him and he's been re- big yeah. time in real estate and this is his opinion. He goes, as soon as the eviction executive uh, order is lifted, we're going to see a huge crash and a huge pullback in the market because people, the people who couldn't afford to withstand this, from the people not paying rent are already out. Mm-hmm. And now like the the banks and stuff are buying this. And these goes, once the eviction goes, a lot of people are going to have to force sell the house and that's going to flood the market with inventory, which is going to drive prices down. Is he saying that you're not allowed to evict people right now? Yeah, that's is, the is executive that order. A, yeah. Nationally? Yep. Two more wow. months, I think. Okay. Yeah. I wonder how many people are missing payments and, and not actually following through with it. So many. Really? I mean, as... Wow. At one point, I think it was a 30% delinquency. Holy shit. Yeah. So that's. Could you imagine living that way? Uh uh-uh. uh. Oh, that's horrible. And the fact they can get away with it. I mean, the, the weird thing is, New York, it's always been the law. You have nine months after eviction. You, you have to let them stay there for nine months before you can evict them legally in New York. So it's like, say you rent a $20,000 a month penthouse, mm-hmm. you can literally rent it pay the security fee and then refuse to leave. And then you have it for nine months for free. And what's the penalty on you? Uh, it, it goes on your, it goes your, your credit report. Your, yeah. Your credit report. Anytime you go to rent uh, something, it's, they're going to see it. You're not going to get a rental. So mm-hmm. if you're looking to buy, you know, yeah. you might as well, you know, yeah, you just keep switching to the next rental or put it in your girlfriend's name next. I guess. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just keep it going. Make a new identity. Uh, a story that did I tell you my I eight story about, Auto house BMW. No, what happened there? So when you reminded me of when you said um, you used to go to places and just look at cars, right? Yeah. And they would like Let's just go around look at cars and be like, who the fuck's this kid walking around? <laughs> they, they wouldn't even talk to you. Oh right? no, absolutely not. They so, still don't half the time. <laughs> exactly. So I go into Auto House BMW. I'm very outspoken against Auto House. Like, okay, I, I'm good friends with a bunch of the guys at Auto House. Oh so man, I, they know it. me. I guarantee you, they know me. Oh, this so is great. I walk in there on us on like a Thursday afternoon, and I just made a ton of money. I'm like, I'm gonna buy an i8. I'm gonna check out an i8. So I go there and I'm looking at this i8 at the showroom. Not one customer, but nine salesmen, okay? I'm standing there like this. You know, I got the Gucci on. I didn't dress yeah. up too much, but I got the Gucci yeah. on. You're like, listen, just so I got they know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm walking. I'm standing there. Five minutes go by. Nothing. 
10 minutes go by, nothing. 20 minutes go by, not one person even approached me. I'm there to buy the fucking car. Not one person even approached me. And it me. takes three seconds to say, three seconds. how can I help you? Exactly. So I was kind of arrogant back then. So mm -hmm. what I did was as I was walking out the door, I'm like, hey, guys, here I am at this uh, place. And uh, I just stood here for 20 Are minutes. You recording yourself? Yeah, I, I, took, <laughs> I, I like took photos as the time went on to be like, look at all these people, not one. Because uh -huh. they probably think I was just some kid there to like, Oh, yeah. You know, just um, look at the car, maybe take a picture of a cool car. So I'm walking out and I, I ended up tagging them just so they could like see it. <laughs> and this is the first time because I just got a big following, a decent following on, on Instagram. I didn't know the repercussions of tagging like uh -huh. someone like that. And so I tagged them. And then next thing I know, they got like a couple hundred comments on their on their photos recently <laughs> saying because I like basically framed it like this. Like this is an example of a company or a branch that is very unwilling to accept the new money that's coming in. Like a lot of kids are getting very rich early because mm -hmm. of the Internet and they're just not accepting it. And so. What happened was I ended up driving to BMW West County. They're awesome. Mm -hmm. They're awesome. I, I went the next day. And I was telling them the story and someone overheard me and they go, they go, is your name Scott Hilsey by chance? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, he goes, yeah, I'm the social media coordinator for this branch. And I actually heard about that situation over there. The owner of Auto House went in today and called an emergency meeting. And he, they said he chewed everyone's ass completely out. Oh, I believe he, it. He was yelling at them and they don't, I bet they won't overlook another person no. anymore. But I remember that to this day, people still bring that up. Absolutely, man. It's crazy. It's so common. I mean, still, I'll walk into dealerships, even around St. Louis, unless I'm wearing like my hat or sweatshirt with, with the logo on it. They don't, I mean, and my thought is, especially like for these salesmen, you're one job, you make all your money on commission. Yeah. Why wouldn't you be hungry enough to go out and just say, hey, man, what what can I help you with? What, you know, whatever. I guess I get it because they get burned and it eats up so much time. But shoot, you got to give everyone an opportunity. That's Lamborghini's motto, actually. Did you know that? I did not. They treat every single person the same because Mr. Beast filmed a video where he like pretend to be a homeless guy all ripped up and dirt mm -hmm. face. And he went in and they immediately approached him. They uh -huh. act, they treated him with a ton of respect and he bought a Lamborghini. That's awesome. I told, uh, there's, there's another, I'm not going to mention it, but there's a, there's a <laughs> scammer in the diamond business around here back when okay. I was in diamonds. And I was telling him that story and he goes, his grandfather, what he would do is when he was buying cars, he would dress up in a Hawaiian shirt and flip flops and like cargo shorts. <laughs> and he was going to buy three Rolls Royces one day. He walked into three different dealerships, and the third one, some, like, 26-year-old kid finally approached him, bought three from him that day. So yep. you, you never know in today's world. You never know. Man, the best is we'll have people at our dealership show up, and they'll have a suit and tie on, diamond watch that I can tell is fake from, you know, 10 miles away. <laughs> and they'll have all Gucci. And I mean, you know me. I, I love all the brand stuff, too. But these guys are, like, to a whole nother level, yep. you know? <laughs> and they'll come in, and, and they want to be treated like royalty. Their first uh. question is, can I test drive the car? They treat me like shit. You know, that that's when I know if someone's real or not, is how they treat the salesperson. Um, and especially, you know, Alex sells most. So watching him talk to Alex, if they treat, talk down to Alex and treat him like he's an idiot, 99% of the time, they never actually end up buying. The guys who are real have the most respect. They know that you're working hard and that this is how you make your living and they're not trying to impress you. Um, and it's super interesting to see like all the different people who are trying to come in and pretend like they can afford the stuff. And, yeah. then, and then the guys who come in and sweatpants and a t-shirt end up writing a check for a half million dollar car. Um, and, you know, no questions asked, whatever it's. It's funny. It's like when we, we blew up. You're familiar with the story of us catching the Lambos on fire? 
Oh, tell that one for sure. <laughs> that was that was national news. Yeah, <laughs> worldwide news. Um, so me and my best friend Jonathan were out driving. We're in a it's a few years back. We're in a Gallardo, a her, uh, Lamborghini Gallardo Performante that I was driving. Um, and then he was in a blue Huracan Performante. It was his car, and we're driving like all day around. We're you know young. And we pull into this gas station. Uh, earlier in the day, we had just gotten pulled over. Well, anytime a red and blue Lambo get pulled over, it's all over Instagram and Facebook, right? So people already see the police surrounding us, and they just gave us warnings for speeding around being assholes. <laughs> um, and we pull up to this gas station, and I'm like, hey, man, I got to get gas. So he pulls up behind me, and my card got declined. So I'm like, I'll piss. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go inside and go and get a water. He goes, okay, I'll come in with you. Well, we're standing in there waiting for the water and we look out the fucking window and there's a massive fireball, like within 30 seconds of being in the store oh and God. smoke everywhere. And I look at him, I'm like, what the fuck? So everyone sprints out of the gas station. You know, we're all running out, like trampling over. It was like out of a movie. And we look back and Jonathan's car is just engulfed in flames. I My mean, it, this was right when the Huracan Performante came out yeah. like 2019. Um, it was bright blue, coolest car ever. What? And so we're watching the car burn down and he's going, motherfucker, you know, how's this like, what is going on? And my car's right in front. So I just assume my car's absolutely going up in flames next. People are like, everyone's videotaping it. Fire trucks, ambulance come in. So then the police show up and they're like, what happened? And none of us know. And this guy comes over and I'll show you the video after this. This guy comes over and he's like, I saw what happened. This minivan drove away while pumping gas. And when the minivan drove away, it ripped the, the gas pump off and the gas went straight to Jonathan's engine bay. Well, it's a hurricane. They've been driving all day. So it was super hot and it just instantly went up in flames. And Jonathan's like, I, I saw the guy who was driving the minivan earlier. There he is. And the guy's hiding behind a dumpster <laughs> in the corner watching from afar like this. And so Jonathan runs over, grabs the guy by his shirt collar, you know, brings him, oh, over, to the brings him over to the police. He's like, this is the motherfucker who blew up the car, right? And so... They, um, it was a whole ordeal, but yeah, it turned out being national worldwide news of these two Lamborghinis caught on fire. Um, and, and the gas pump literally just went straight into the engine, blew it up. Now the car I was driving ended up being fine. It just turned into like a ashtray, you know, so yeah. like all the ash from Jonathan's car ended up in my convertible. So, oh, okay, the, so yeah. the seats were just covered in gray ash. It looked like I smoked a bunch of cigarettes in there and smelled like a campfire for like yeah. three weeks. Um, but man, it was, it was a crazy experience with that whole deal and it ended up going like worldwide and and where i was starting with this was everyone on facebook later that night oh these two kids were out driving earlier that day they were racing around you know daddy's money this yeah. and that <laughs> and just all sorts of different things being said and just horrible shit from people who had never met us before yeah um and thank god that video was there because otherwise it does look like we're two idiots like someone said we were smoking at the pump and that's how it happened yeah. so the video so then i made a facebook post and i'm like hey here's what actually happened here's the video of the minivan driving away because the guy was taking a snapchat being like look at these two lambos and uh, so I posted the video and it ended up getting like a million views and oh, a million so the, shares. The videos from the Snapchat? Yeah. Oh. The guy was taking a Snapchat of the cars being like, man, these two Lambos are sick. And then the minivan drives away. He's like, oh, shit. And you just see the, the, the flame spark up and then he cuts the video out. Oh, I got it. And just see started that. running. Yeah. So that saved our ass because I don't know. I, I'll have to ask John what happened with the insurance, but it was, yeah. That, that was probably the craziest like car story I've had. I had that catch on fire. I had a, a Mercedes catch on fire because the taillight bulb exploded in the, and then it caught the trunk on fire. Um, I had a Cadillac CTSV, the, the motor blew up, that caught on fire. And 
I think those are my three. Yeah, three car fires. So, three car know. fires. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. That's why electric cars are the future. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Weren't Teslas catching on fire for a while too? I think. In I the think beginning. That, yeah, like 2014. I think back yeah. in the the old old days. The original. Remember those classes. hoverboards? Yeah. Remember yeah, those started yeah. catching on fire? Yeah, I had one of those at the office, and it started making weird noises. And honestly, it's funny you say that. I started charging it outside because I'm like, I really don't want to explain why my exotic car dealership oh burned down my God, from imagine? my $200 hoverboard. You know, like, yeah. so I I charged it. I ran an extension cord, would charge it outside, put like a tarp over it so it wouldn't get wet because I was so terrified it would blow up. Jeez, they were that, like blowing up left and right. Did I tell you my buddy is the one who started that. No, what happened? Yeah, Jared Getz. Have you ever heard of him? Uh, I know the name. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he started that. He went to the Chinese. Oh, wait, no, no. His buddy went to the Chinese festival where they show new products. Okay. And he goes, you got to check out this product. And he was already drop shipping. He's like, how much are they? He goes, like 200. He's like, I wonder if I can drop ship these. And he did. But he listed them at 2,000. This is when he started the price at 2,000. Okay, right when they came out. Yeah, I think he sold 2 million in like 60 months. No, 60 oh days. God. He was the fastest growing store second to Kylie Jenner in history. So is, is that how the dropshipping thing takes off? Is it still that same way of like these guys are finding these products yeah, and then they brand them? It's, yeah, it's way harder now. Yep. It's definitely way harder because people are keen to it and they know what to look for before. I mean, I just watched an interview with Chase Hero. I kind of know the guy. He started it. He was like, he just went to jail. Mm-hmm. He gets out of jail. He had $2,000. Someone taught him Facebook ads and dropshipping. He launched a $2,000 ad. He fell asleep, so he couldn't like mess with it. He woke up. $1,200 were spent $0, right? But the pixel didn't fire. He looks on Shopify, made 9000 Ended up making a million dollars that first two weeks. And now he's making, I mean, like fifty dollars to $150,000 a day. No shit. Yeah. What, what was your, your the gravity case you that were showing case me? case outside, yeah. So what did you, how, how was that one set up? What were you charging for those? I was charging originally $10. And how did you find the product? Goat case. But, okay. but my, my claim to fame is like a lot of people at the time drop shipping, and this is when this worked, take any all products, throw them on your website, general store, and then run individual ads to each one. Okay. And then I read a book. And then actually, uh, I think I got it somewhere. It was the founder of ClickFunnels. Okay. And it was all about informational funnels. And he the thing that stood out the most, he goes, websites are built to show off, funnels are built to convert. Interesting. I wonder if I can funnel one product drop shipping. So I Google one product drop shipping, no results. Okay. I might have something here. I might have something here. <laughs> so I launched a store called One Deal at a Time, where the whole premise was only one deal at a time. This is the only product. And then I used that and I got it for like 90 cents or something. Mm-hmm. Sold it for $14 after shipping. Yeah. And then I just, it just blew up because, and then that kind of, Switch drop shipping from general stores, one product. Now, pretty much everyone only does one product now. I gotcha. Because it makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, why would you not have five stores with five different products instead of one store with a ton of products? You're trying to drive. Well, I guess wouldn't you be driving everyone to that one website, though? And then I guess in hopes that they, they shop around on there. That is, I mean, it could be, but how many people are going for that product and then they just haven't seen another product yeah. and buy? It? And then it also messes with the pixel. You do a lot of stuff. So it's way better to just funnel it and then boom. You can brand that product. What about, have you ever looked into getting into uh, like apparel companies or, or selling? You know, I, I thought about, I had a kid who, uh, he did an internship for me for a while, really smart, you know, young, he'll, he'll be successful as an entrepreneur. Um, and he wants me to help him start a clothing line. 
and he's already selling it kind of locally and like killing it. People love the brand. People love the, the uh, material. They say it's super comfortable. Supposedly chicks are obsessed with it. Hey, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> he uses, uh, he used my cars to kind of advertise it and, yeah. and whatnot. Um, but we talked about doing like a drop shipping type of deal where I'm like, okay, so you only pay for what you sell essentially. Yeah. Have you ever looked into that? You got any, what's your expertise? You're looking at it. Okay. So how's it been? Tell me what I need to know about selling apparel and, and doing a drop shipping for that. A Shopify store with Printful. Mm-hmm. And then like these hats, I sell a hat. It gets printed and ships to them. Okay. I got That's you. simple. Are you, where are you spending money on advertising for that? No, I, I mean, this is tied to my personal brand. Yeah. You know, so. so that's it. But in terms of apparel, you can't really just launch a Facebook ad and hope to win. It's all about putting it, like, for example, since he's St. Louis based, mm-hmm. you get that on Yadier Molina, it's all over. You get yeah. that on, like, um, who's the goalie for the Blues? Oh, I don't know. He used to live here, actually. I don't follow sports. I had one of the Blues guys walk in the other day, and I'm like, I know. I thought he was a grown man missing teeth, you know? Oh, right. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Was, did he have blonde hair? No, it was, uh, God, Ryan O'Reilly. Oh, okay. I think is his name. He's like a Blues captain. I yeah. had no idea. One of my buddies is at, the, at my dealership at the same time. This guy's coming. He's looking at, like, a Huracan or something. And I didn't know who he was. My buddy's like, do you know who's here right now? And freaking out. And I'm like, I should really follow sports. You yeah. Know? <laughs> we sold a car to Gervonta uh, Davis. Um, he's a professional boxer and he's like Floyd, the next Floyd Mayweather. So I look him up. He's got 10 million followers. Oh, F8? His, yeah. The F8 the F8, yeah. yeah. But when I was on the phone with him, I had no idea. I'm like, so how do you spell your name? Right. You know, and then I'm like huge fan. <laughs> uh, but anyways, back to the apparel thing. So you think there's potential to be successful with that. There's nothing in, in, in apparel that really scares you away. Cause I'm, man, I'm looking at it as if we can throw I, here, I don't know what the numbers look like, but if you can throw 10 grand at Facebook ads or marketing, to try and blow it up mm-hmm. and especially targeting starting in St. Louis. Well, then that's what we talked about. And I'm like, man, maybe we put, find someone like Scott or guys in St. Louis who are well-known and, and pay them to put the clothes on. I don't know anything about getting into the clothing business, but that, I'm that's, damn ready to try. That's the way to do it. You know, Von Dutch, how I used to wear the Von Dutch all the time. Mm-hmm. So I know the guy who did their marketing. I think he took them from like 20,000 a month to 2 million a month, like wow. pretty easily all influencers. Okay. So he would like ship it to Lil Uzi, ship it to Gunna, all these celebrities that have it on, which I see a ton. It's usually sourced to him and that's how they blew it up. And then they charge, I just looked $70 to a hundred dollars a hat. No shit. And 60% of the revenue Von Dutch makes 50 to 60 is hats. Only hats. I guess the hard part is just staying current. And also there's gotta be so much competition now. Like how do you get people to keep doing it and trying it on? I mean, I'm sure you get this way more than I do, but like, once every week I'll get a message being like, do you want to be an influencer for our clothing line yeah. and our product? And, and we'll send you 20 free shirts and just make posts in them and stuff. And of course I'm, I'm always like, no, nah, I'm not good enough looking you know, to, to be <laughs> modeling clothes for you guys. Um, I, I wonder if there's any merit to that or is it best to just find celebrities and no, there's, that's two strategies. Cause now people are keen because my buddy, I mean, he used to, he used to pay uh, Supreme Patty like 250 bucks to promote his product and they make 20,000. But now it's a little more difficult because influencers know their worth now. Yep. So the micro influencer, that's why they're messaging like everybody. Cause it's mm-hmm. like to send $40 worth of apparel to someone who's going to openly promote it to their Instagram following to mm-hmm. show people that they're getting, they're making moves, they're getting sponsored and all this. Mm-hmm. It's more than worth it yeah. because that exposure. And then you just multiply that by a thousand and you got all this exposure for the free products that you're just sending at cost. All right, we're, we'll talk more on, on, I'll tell you about the clothing line when we're off. Yeah. Um, and, and see if there's any potential there. I think it could be huge. I, I don't know, especially, Definitely. 
using the car, you know, with the car thing right now, cars and watches are like, it seems yeah. like the big thing on Instagram. Tripped up on the wire. Uh, cars and watches are the big thing. So I'm like, man, if we've got access to that, you know, one of my great customers is a, a watch dealer and that's where I get my stuff from. Um, and then we've got access to the cars and I'm like, well, shit, if we put the clothes in front of it and get some good looking models, we'll be yeah. ready to rock, you know, and then just spend the money on, on Facebook or Google ads. hundred um, percent. Facebook ads for the moving company has killed it for us. Yeah. Google ads, horrible. Oh, really? Yeah. I haven't had any luck with it, but, um, I'm looking at hiring like a new ad company to kind of run that stuff for me. I'm learning all this stuff. Just trying to get a piece in every industry and and, and learn it all. I'm not good with numbers, um, but, but yeah. anxious to at least the marketing side is super interesting. I'd be careful with those companies, by the way. Most of them are, are white labeling. Uh, in terms of? They just basically, they pose as an agency. Mm-hmm. And then when they get your business, they find the cheapest work possible on Fiverr. And then they just outsource it to these people in the Philippines, four bucks an hour to do the most basic marketing. So I'm paying like 800 bucks a month in management right now for the Facebook ads. And I'm talking to another company who wants like two grand a month for management. I just find one person, honestly, because yeah. that's how you know it's reliable because mm-hmm. you don't know with these companies. They're very well known to be because that's a whole nother business model that they teach people, just white labeling businesses. And so they're just I mean, essentially what this guy's charging me 800 bucks a month for now, I, guess, I mean, it's working, but he's just setting up the demographics right for the Facebook ads and he's designing the ad. Um I don't really know what else I'm paying him for, but yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm getting leads from it. So, oh, so it's actually a guy. Yeah. It? Well, okay, I mean, good. it's a guy who owns a company. He, there's, um, I never even met the guy in person. I, I posted on Facebook. Hey, who do you guys use for this stuff? So gotcha. I don't know what prices are realistic. I've gotten prices all over. I've got another company now trying to sell us radio ads. And I'm like, does anyone even listen to the radio, oh, radio anymore? Ads? Come like, on. I don't know. I'm open to trying anything, but shit, radio ads are expensive. I had no idea. Oh, really? He wants like two grand a week. Yeah. They got to make that money back. They're losing a lot of money oh right God. now. They're trying to get us on, um, not ESPN, like one one or some, the point, some, yeah. some show for women. But I'm like, I don't know if people are actually listening to the radio. I don't, I don't know if that works. We're talking about doing, um, you know, the video marketing. Well, we want a thousand dollars for this video and five hundred dollars for that video. And I'm like, holy shit, these guys! I should be in the marketing business. These yeah. guys are clubbing it. What do you think? Are you are you familiar with Jim Butler's new subscription based thing? Yeah. What do you think of that? Black tie. Yeah. Uh, man, I'm really jealous because I I've always wanted to do that. Like that's how I got into cars was. Um, I was like six or seven years old and, and, you know, would play Forza, um, on Xbox and stuff. And I, my dad's not a car guy. No one in my family was, I don't have any brothers. Like there was no car influences in my life. I just liked this video game. And I talked my dad into renting a Ferrari. I'm like, come on, let's, I was like 10 years old. I'm like, let's rent a Ferrari for a day. You know, it's like 800 bucks. So he's pissed, <laughs> but you know, willing to try it. Where'd you get that Ferrari from? We were in spring break, like down in Florida, Gotcha. Uh, what, you know, back in school. So we, we try it. He couldn't care less about the car. And like, we're out driving. He looks over at me. He's like, this is the best thing we've ever done. And it was a red Ferrari convertible, um, a 2005, you know, but it was just so cool. And we had, we had a blast in it. So, anyways, that, that's how I got into it. Um, where was, I don't even know where I was going with this. Jesus. Told, told oh, Jim Butler. Jim, Jim Butler. So, anyways, <laughs> so with the rental thing. So, it's like it, in emotionally, the rental thing is huge for me. Um, and I'm, I'm most passionate about that. Like, I always wanted to give people that experience because you couldn't do it in St. Louis. And Jim Butler is doing that. You know, with the black tie thing, they're saying, hey, we're going to bring in Audi R8s and BMW i8s and Bentleys, and we're letting people rent them and we're doing the subscription thing. Um, I think it's killer. I mean, I'm, I'd like to get into it. I should probably reach out to them just to kind of make a connection see if we can work together. Um, 
I love the idea. Like I've got a friend who's doing it. He pays 1500 bucks a month. Every time he wants a new car, he switches in and out. He gets a new Ford Raptor one week and a Mercedes the next week. Um, yeah. Like I, are I there, love the idea. Do you know, are there mileage limits to it? I don't know. That'd be I'm, my concern. I hate sure. mileage limits so I mean, much. What do you care? You don't drive that much, do you? Yeah, but if I don't like not being able to, if I want to, yeah, you, know? yeah, you just pay the extra. Then, <laughs> like, um, uh, your Tesla, you you own the Tesla, right? You didn't yeah, lose that. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to. Have you put a lot of miles on it? Like twelve thousand in a year, uh, eight months. Ooh, yeah, you do drive. And a I lot. still got to drive to Colorado, and I still got to right. drive. You from take Colorado. the long ass road trips. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, but the Jim Butler thing, I love it, and also like. Owning a car can be a horrible experience between paying for the insurance and the maintenance costs. You know, Teslas are really good. You don't have to worry about much. But, uh, you know, a lot of these cars, you're spending a grand every few months just right. to fix something on it. Um, and the depreciation. So if you can pay 1500 bucks a month, insurance is covered, maintenance is covered. You know, you get a certain amount of mileage. But then you get a new car all the time. You don't have to worry about what the car's worth when you're done with it. I think they'll kill it. I, yeah. I love that idea. Um I like that a whole lot better than buying a car from Carvana. Yeah. So if my money was on one, it's probably the subscription-based services. It seems like that's the way the, the market is going. Right. It's like, it's got, like young guys like us, like I'd rather just rent. I mean, it, as much as I hate the idea of burning my money, I love coming home to this apartment building, and I don't have to worry about fixing anything. Yeah. I don't have to worry about if the market's going up, if it's going down, what my insurance cost is. Like, it's all covered. It's all handled. I think that's like the young millennial mentality. Definitely. Yeah. Um. Why don't, why don't they have, like, why don't they or really anyone have exotic rentals? And I know I talked to you about this. Did you ever find out if that guy was for real, by the way, with the blue Lamborghini? <laughs> Dude, he had me ship three cars for him the other day. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I, I, so he keeps asking me to use my cars. He's like, man, let me, let me have that G-Wagon. Like, let me, I got a baseball player he wants to rent. I don't trust the guy, you know, but yeah. I shipped cars for him. So he's got cars. I don't know what the deal is. It's a weird thing, but I was really hoping you'd be my guinea pig to test yeah. it out and that, see. That was a weird thing because the Why way... Why not try? Well, the way he marketed it was very strange. Mm -hmm. He used like his personal Instagram. <laughs> for some reason, deactivated his website for the uh -huh. rental company. And then it's like, just hit me up on Instagram. So I went after him about that because I'm like, man, I tried referring you to one of my customers. He looked into you. He couldn't find any info. And I'm like, you know, I, I lit the guy up. I'm like, he's pretty much too terrified to rent from you because you don't have a real brand built out or any reviews or anything. And he's like, well, we're keeping it private and low key and, and <laughs> our athletes and rap stars, they don't want anyone to know, you know, they don't want people to know that they're renting the car. So that's why we don't advertise it. And I'm like, I can kind of get that, but it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. It doesn't add up. Um, in terms of why no one's done the exact here, I've, I've wanted to, I will. I mean, there's going to be a day where I'll have a Ferrari and a Lamborghini that I rent out. Uh, and it's a matter of time. You'd have the whole market. Yeah. It, the the thing is, how much is someone in St. Louis willing to pay? Like we really, St. Louis is really cheap. Mm -hmm. um, people like, if I buy a hundred thousand dollar car, and my payment's going to be two thousand a month on it. So what can I charge? You know. And then I've also got the depreciation of that car, the maintenance. I mean, you really need to be charging at least seven or eight hundred dollars for a twenty four hour rental. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many people are going to pay that. Only one way to find out. Yeah, I know. And I'm just, I'm, I will bite the bullet and do it. I'm renting out. I've got two Jeep Wranglers. I rented out now. Um, yeah, so, I rented one. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so those are all rentals doing great. Um, How do you market that, Turo? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'm, I'm starting, the rental thing is coming back, you know, like the, the way we do the box trucks and moving company. I bought the box trucks through my rental company and then the box trucks, my moving company rents the box trucks from my rental company. So I'm kind of paying myself on both ends. Um, and, and anyway, so I'm trying to build this rental thing up and get us a little more kind of 
numbers under our belt and more and more cars and vehicles. Um, it's a matter of time. I think like a Ferrari California would be a good one to start with or a Lamborghini Gallardo. Because for a hundred thousand bucks, that, that's where I'd want to spend and charge five hundred bucks a day and use it for weddings and, and parties. And you can't do prom, you know, like you can't let the kids go out and nah. drive. And everyone wants it for prom. And and in my experience renting out the Hellcat and the Wranglers, they always come back smelling like weed. Always, uh, yeah, every <laughs> single time. It's so like I don't know what the solution is to that. And my Wrangler, I don't care. Like it's fine, whatever, do whatever you want. Uh, they always smell like pot. Yeah. So, They've never had anything damaged. Um, just stolen car, reeks of weed. You know, yep. <laughs> weed or perfume. Like the, after the after they'll smoke weed and hotbox my cars. What the rentals do is they all think they're genius and they all do the same shit. They'll just like douse it in perfume or cologne. So you get it, you're like, oh my god, it's toxic. You yeah. know, <laughs> like I had one. I had to. I literally bought chlorine bombs. And they're like, you have to order them online and special hazardous deal. And like, you leave it in the car for like 48 hours and like burn your eyebrows off. You know? oh my God. <laughs> but uh, that's the only way to get it out. So, so in, in total, what do you think the best car ever made would be? Ooh, that's really hard. Um, in, ter- it, in terms of like quality, performance, everything. In the exotic side, in my industry, like the best modern day exotic that you can buy is a Lamborghini Huracan. That's what I've heard from a lot of people. It's the most reliable. It's faster than shit. Zero sixty and two point eight. Top speed's two ten. Oh, only, or t- only two point eight. Yeah, <laughs> like two oh two. I know. Put up a fight with the with the Tesla. <laughs> um, it, really, it's the reliability factor. I mean, yeah. I've got a customer. Like, he's. Um, like in his thirties and he beats the shit out. I mean, he's doing donuts in the Lowe's parking lot and launch control to every light. I've sold him with 60,000 miles. I've, I have a buddy in Arkansas who sold a hurricane with 130,000 wow. miles on it. Like how much man, he got 140 grand. For wow. It. What the fuck? And that nuts. Yeah, I know it was recently in this market yeah. in the real market. The cars were the hundred grand in mm-hmm. this market. 140, just cause there's nothing out there. Um, hurricanes are, are the best cars for sure. Uh, the Aventador is the coolest car. Porsche makes the best overall. They're just not that exciting. Have you ever driven the 917? Or 918? 918, yeah. I have not. So really, I haven't driven anything over a million. Pretty much under a million, I've driven just about everything. Over a million, haven't touched them. Yeah. Um, so give me some time. <laughs> that's the quickest car ever made right there, the yeah. 918. That's and the only thing that beats the Tesla. Ah, thing's killer, man. That's what, by far one of my favorite cars. I'm a convertible guy. Um, I, I just think if you're going to have these exotic cars, you got to be able to put the top down. And the fact yeah. that the 918 is a spider, it's killer. Yeah. That, that's the only thing I hate about the 720 is, is that it's a hard top, but it's got the glass roof on it. So a hard top drop top is my favorite. I'm not yeah. a fan of the soft tops. No one is, but who cares? Like, yeah, who cares when it's down? Yeah. No, <laughs> no one's ever been like, man, I love the way that rag top looks, you know, but at the <laughs> same time you just roll with it. Cause you have the top down nine, unless it's parked in your garage or at dinner. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely a convertible guy. Like the Huracan's a rag top. Who cares? The, never... the worst rag tops that new I eight. That thing looks janky. Yeah, it's like a tarp. They throw yeah. on top. I mean, the I eights get so much shit. They, yeah, they get so much hate. Um, especially like you. What was the deal? What happened with the STL car scene? That Facebook group. That was when I got the Tesla, and I was just being arrogant. <laughs> oh yeah, you were being a, a they, dick. Well, they, they didn't. The they didn't race. understand what I was doing, which actually worked. That's my, one of my. I think that is my most liked photo in history, <laughs> and the most commented photo in history. I was just calling out every uh. STL car guy, being like, "I got the quickest car in St. Louis," which isn't true because Andy Frisella is the nine eighteen. Mm-hmm. Have you met Andy Frisella? I just in passing through the car world. I, he was a really good customer of exotic motors. Um, and when I worked there, I, I met him, you know, I deliver cars to his house. I was 16. I here, like I listen to Andy Frisella's podcast every single day on my way to school when I was in eighth grade. Like oh, I, my, he's it, been doing it for that long. Oh yeah. Wow. Like, I used to make my mom while she drive me to school. And if you, have you listened to his podcast at all? I just listened to the first one last week. He's a, 
he can be a little obnoxious, but at the same time, like it was what I needed as a young kid. Kinda. Right. I don't listen to him as much anymore. Not not for any negative reason. Um, but he's like, "Fuck this, motherfucker! Get off your ass, you piece of shit!" You know, just. Yeah, that mom, and my mom's looking at me like, "What in the world?" <laughs> um, I used to listen to him and Gary V like every single day. But anyways, back to that. Yeah, so Andy with the whole deal. He, he's uh, does he have a nineteen? He's got the Carrera GT. I don't think he has a nine eighteen anymore. Not anymore. Mm-mm. But those STL car scene guys, yeah, you you really riled them up. Oh yeah, <laughs> I heard. I saw. I got screenshots of posts and the, oh, yeah. the Facebook groups everywhere. <laughs> well, that was the best. And then you screenshotted my because like oh I, I, <laughs> I can't. That group drives me nuts. So I send you a message, and then the top left corner is like the RP logo. And they're ah. like, Explain yourself, Parker. And I'm like, God, fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Andy has me blocked on Instagram. Why? I don't. It was a weird miscommunication. I got my first cool car. Like my whole life, I was driving Hondas that were under 2004 so i'm mm-hmm. used to driving 1999 accords to 2004 civics uh-huh. so i got my first cool car is250 and i saw he had this ford gt at the gym this is 2017 i believe and i parked it next to it and all i did was take took a picture of the, my car next to his which ford which gt was the it? orange one okay yeah the new and one it, i even went to the courtesy of one whole block of uh, one whole um car link away uh-huh. so i wasn't even next to it and all i did was uh i go whose car is better though uh-huh. And then I took a, po- I put a poll and he blocked me. No shit. He, he went on this rant on Instagram about it. And then he took a photo of his car, posted it and goes, if a motherfucker hates you for no reason, give that motherfucker a reason. People are screenshotting it, send it to me saying, is this about you? Cause it seems like it's about you. Uh, for the sake of the community we're in, I won't say much. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, in his podcast, he was talking about how like two or three years ago he was definitely a little more unhappy, a little more aggressive and all that. And he's scaled back. So maybe it was, was, maybe I caught him just on a bad day, but it sucks because now I'm like blocked from him completely. (laughs) There's a lot of stories out there that are similar. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But he seems like he's doing very well now. He's, he's huge. I mean, he is somewhat different guy. I I don't know him personally that well, but as in terms of a business guy, I mean, what he has done and created with this following, I mean, these guys worship the ground he walks on like and stayed in St. Louis. Yeah. I will say one thing. It seems everyone who works for him makes the same fucking Instagram post. Oh my God. It's, it starts off with a, uh, a sentence spacer, another sentence, space, you're a piece of shit. Get off your ass. (laughs) You know, like I worked out 28 times today where, how many times do you work out? Yeah. (laughs) But he, he has built a really cool brand and following. Yeah. Um, He just, it got to the point where like, I, that's what I needed when I was young. And I swear to God, I mean, probably eighth grade through sophomore year, every single morning I listened to the Andy Frisella podcast and I'd listen to him on repeat. I mean, I still know like, uh, episode like 165 is about, you know, um, just money and how, cause I, I went to uh Westminster Christian yeah. Academy private school here in St. Louis and they were all like, you know, money's bad and, and you can't like money and, and, and money's of the devil and whatever. And, and it'll distract you from what's good and don't be materialistic. And I would have to listen to his podcast where he's like, anyone who says that's full of shit and they just couldn't make money on their, uh, and I'm like, fuck yeah. You know? Yeah. So that really helped me, uh, when I was younger. And then Gary fee, Gary V I listened to a lot in terms of branding um, and marketing. And I still listen to him, especially from the moving company side. What, so, what year was your freshman year at Westminster? I'm a year older than all, or a year younger than all my friends. Um, I would, what year was that? So I guess whenever you graduated eighth grade, I, I graduated high school in 2018 at 17 years old. So you went there 2014 or 2013 18 years old. 
Yeah, like 2013, 2014, around okay. then. So was, his podcast, like, he was not nearly as well known. I mean, I remember meeting him, like, when I was, you know, 13 or 14. I walked up to him. I saw him at the Lamborghini dealer. And I said, hey, Mr. Frisella, nice to meet you. You know, my name's Parker. And it, it would be a dream for me to sell him a car or, or do business with him now just from that. So I'm sure we'll, we'll cross paths again soon. Yeah. Uh, but we, really we, cool I used deal. to cross paths with him every single day. We worked out at the same gym. Which gym? The Gold's gym? Existing or? Concord. He'd go there every day when he had his old house right next to there. In like Fenton, South County? South area? County. Yeah. Every day I'd see him. Every day <laughs> I knew he was there too because there'd be a car out front parked way the fuck away from uh, everybody. Is he one of those like park a mile away. oh yeah, yeah. for good yeah. reason because he's pulling up that's when he did have the porsche i remember mm-hmm. him pulling up in the porsche and i didn't it was a black one yeah i don't remember uh i remember seeing now i'm like i've never seen a porsche that looks like that i had no clue what it was but I, I mean i'd love to meet him and still talk to him now but i don't think that's a possibility yeah. <laughs> i there's i i think he's one of those guys you get on a shit list he's kind of like fuck you i don't need to deal with it yeah right? and and I obviously I meant no ill intention. No, I get at it. All. Yeah. I was just hyped about my car. <laughs> I get it. I was hyped about my car, the IS two fifty. It it's really cool the following that he has built around here. Yeah. Um, definitely something to watch. I d I don't know how he did. I mean, I guess I think they've been around for like twenty years now. So. Oh really? Wow. Mm, so. A funny story about the IS two fifty. I bought that in Little Rock. Okay. I, dro- I drove there in the Civic and on the way a bird hit the Civic and got stuck between, um, <laughs> like, the windshield and the siding. How? So I, it was unbelievable. Wait, the windshield and the siding? Yeah. Like, I hear, I'll, I'll pull up the Snapchat memory of it because I know <laughs> I still got it. But, like, the, the head went deep into, I'm actually going to screen record this so I can put it up with this. With the video. <laughs> yeah. But it the, the, its head went completely inside of the the windshield and like the siding that it it, it uh, like is against if that no makes shit. sense while we're driving it so the whole drive there the thing's literally hanging like flicking and then <laughs> I, I traded it in and they took it with the bird in it so I was like hell yeah did, did they ask what the hell happened or did they even notice the I don't bird? think I don't think we even mentioned it here it is oh my god he literally got stuck on the side <laughs> like deep he he like busted the frame even too did it crack the window? It didn't crack the windshield, but it kind of like moved it back. I've never seen that in, in all my cars. But <laughs> Bird had perfect aim. He's <laughs> just hanging on for the ride the whole time. Yeah. Oh, there's the IS right there, just so you know. Did, was it, how long did you have that car for? So I. So yeah, that's the story behind it. So I had that for right under one year, and the weird the way the universe works is weird because right when I drove to. It wasn't Little Rock. It was Birmingham, Alabama. Okay. They have a lot of cars. Holy shit. Never been. Oh, my God. There's so many, like, massive dealerships. Uh, this dealership, I think they had, it was like 5,000 cars on their parking lot, five to 10,000, something like that. And so um, I went and I checked out the i8, and I was like, okay, I think I'm going to buy this. And then right when I'm in the lobby, I get a text from my sales guy saying, hey, Scott, uh, I was just checking in to see if you ever wanted to upgrade that IS-250. And I sent him a picture of my I-8, and I'm like, too late. And he's like, holy shit, you, you've done well for yourself since I talked to you last. I was That's like, yeah. awesome. Because he remembers me buying the I-8, and I remember my parents kept calling. I mean, not the I-8, the IS-250. My parents kept calling me the whole time. And he could hear him. They're like, don't buy that car. You're <laughs> never going to be able to afford $400 a month. You're going to go bankrupt. Yeah, so what do your parents think about this? the whole thing with you? Uh, Where would you go to high school, by the way? Lindbergh. Okay. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. 
And, and what do they? What's their opinion on this whole thing? Are they supportive of like the I'm doing my own deal? It, it took them about two years of me doing it to make a comment on it. Mm-hmm. So because really? they told me I would for sure fail at digital marketing. I need to go back to school, all of that. And then when it did work and start working out, they didn't want anything to do with it. They knew it would fail. And I'm learning that even my parents, um, my, my buddy's parents were saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, don't do what he's doing. Like, that's for sure going to end up failing. Three yep. years later, here we are. Yeah. Or maybe four years. I think four years uh, this, yeah, it would be four years this uh, October. And what did you, with college, you did some college? Or? I went to college for two years, and then I spent a summer in L.A. Okay. Five people in a studio in Koreatown's ghetto. No, <laughs> There was no A.C. involved. We had eight fans going at all time. One bed for five of us, so uh-huh. people sleeping on the floor. I slept in the closet a lot. And then uh, I came back one day in college. I'm like, I've seen the opportunities. I worked yeah. in Beverly Hills at La Scala. I met Jay Leno and all these people. I know what's out there. So and you knew what you wanted. Yeah, and this path is not giving me what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went to school one day, woke up the next morning, and then dropped out. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. What college was it? Mizzou. Okay, I got you. <laughs> I hate it. I, I just, Are you grateful you did it? Are you grateful yeah. for the two years? Uh, I'm grateful to know that that's not what I wanted. There's no what ifs. Yeah. I'm sure you kind of feel the same way. Yeah, because uh, people ask me all the time. Well, in like the first year of starting RP, it was, are you going to go back to college? And I told everyone, yes. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to take a year off, focus on the business, and I'll finish school to get my degree. And then like as RP started to take off, I realized the only reason I would be getting a degree is for my parents yeah. and for other people. And the reality is I'm never going to be happy if I use that. And it was like, okay, we'll get the degree to fall back on. Well, I didn't want to, I don't want to say that. I don't want to fall an option to fall back on. Like the fact that I don't have that, I know that I have to work 12 hour days because if this doesn't work out, I'm screwed. I don't have a degree. I'm not all that smart when it comes to numbers or anything (laughs) like, like book smart. That's not really me. Um, and so I didn't want the the fallback plan, but I'm, I'm grateful. I went for a year to, to see how I like it. I, I studied entrepreneurship um, that's so funny it's just classic like, entrepreneurship in college yeah exactly i'm learning from someone who's never run a business or owned their own business and then you learn with entrepreneurship like i learned more in podcasts youtube videos and just fucking yeah. up and, and that's like and just doing it yeah just doing it and and like with the moving company like the, we have issues all the time that, that pop up and everything like i just Tell Luke, tell, tell our partners, like, listen, it, it's a learning experience. I mean, it, it will never happen again, nor should it, you know, when, when something goes wrong. But that's the only way to move on. We're young. And, and again, it doing it while you're young is the best because it's like if everything blows up tomorrow, I can go back to school and I'll, I'll go back to being a normal kid. Right. Right. You know, and it's like and so. I'd, yeah, I, I'm grateful I went for a year. I will never go back. I hope I never have to go back. It just wasn't for me. For some people, they need it. You know, my girlfriend's like getting her master's. So. Yeah coming up soon I'm going, it sounds horrible but by all means <laughs> have at it so when you started rp did you have the building or did you do it no, no building <laughs> so it was out of my dorm room and i had like uh like you know how in your bedroom you got that whiteboard um, yeah i had like these post-it big post-it boards that were my entire dorm room every wall had it and i would write down every time someone called me on a car I'd write down the car, then I'd write down like on another board I had, okay, here's how we're branding it. Here's the cars we have working and stuff. And it got to a point where I had like 20 or 30 cars that people were calling me about to sell um, saying, hey, you know, what do you want to do with this car? But I didn't have a building. So I'd have a meet me at the slew parking garage and I'd take photos of them and just throw them up on eBay. And if I could sell them, great. And if I couldn't, whatever. And a lot of times I really couldn't sell the car. 
you know, selling cars is actually more of a pain in the ass than throwing them on eBay. Right. It's, there's a lot of stuff to it that will bore everyone to get into. Um, but I had this list. So I called Alex long who was the sales manager at exotic motors Midwest for while wow, he started when I started there. Um, and I, he was the one who I learned everything from and kind of followed around. And I said, listen, come join me. I'll give you half of my company. I've got 20 cars that people want to sell. You sell them. You tell me how to run a dealership because he's been a, he's 35. He's been a finance director. He's been a sales manager, you know, all this. You, you come sell the cars. I'll bring you the customers because I've met everyone and, and let's run this business together. And I literally called him every single day for like three or four months. And, and for him, you know, being you're 35 years old and an 18 year old's trying to get you to go into business with him, like, fuck that, you know, and, and eventually for whatever reason, we had a few meetings and joined up. And at that point, that's when we got the building. So that was, we started in September of 2018. We got the building in March of 2019. So for seven, eight months. It was just me calling Alex every day being like, you join me and we'll hit the ground running. Um, and he's a huge reason for our success. I mean, he's, he taught me how to, how to run a dealership. I didn't know any of that. I just happened to know the people and I was really passionate about the cars. So would you say at the beginning you were drop shipping cars? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. I, I didn't have to pay for any of them. I was just photoing them. And if someone wanted them, then I had the car for them. Do you know the Stradman? Um, no, I, I mean, I know who he is, but I don't know. That's how he started. Is that, was he doing that? Drop shipping cars. Really? Yep. I had no idea. He do something very similar. He okay. Just, that's how, uh, yeah, I watched his video of how he affords a Lambo at like 19 or something. He's uh -huh. just drop shipping cars. Yep. Drop shipping cars. And do you know, uh, Pajani? Oh, uh, exotic car. Pejman. Yeah. yeah. Pejman Gadimi. We, I call him PJ. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. PJ. Um, him I have dealt with. He's called us on a few cars. Um, yeah. Cool oh, did guy. he try to negotiate real low? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I've, dude, I watched, I've watched your videos. I know your, <laughs> I know the game you're playing here. <laughs> he called on the, uh, uh, it was a Mercedes SLS we had, you know, the one with the gold wing doors and the big long. He himself head. called. Mm -hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, and he spoke to Alex actually, and he, we didn't end up putting a deal together on it. But but yeah, he, he called on that. He's very successful. He's selling the courses. I think that's where he big really time. makes big money. Oh yeah, um, which is just crazy. I mean, the, the course thing is nuts. But he's teaching people good stuff. He's he's not wrong in what he says. I've watched his videos. I bought his course just for the sake of I wanted to hear what he was teaching people because with me and Alex being younger, we get a lot of young buyers coming in, and I know whenever they drop like a certain line, and they're like. Well, you know, the front clip has scratches underneath. I'm like, what, PJ tell you to say that? You know, uh -huh. <laughs> like 90% of the time, like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, cool guy. So I didn't realize Stradman was doing consignment. Yeah, it's the best way to do it. There's no risk. If the market crashes, I lose no money. If the market goes up, I get paid more. Like, there, for me, I needed to figure out how to have an exotic car dealership without taking money from anyone. No one was going to give an 18-year-old a loan to go buy a bunch of cars and, like, even if you gave me half a million bucks, what I can buy two cars for inventory. That's not enough for a dealership. So I said, pay me, you know, 500 to a thousand. And now we, now we take, you know, 5% to sell a hundred thousand dollar car or 3% yeah. to sell a $200,000 car. Uh, we don't charge that much. Most, most consignment stores charge like 12%. Damn. But well, I'm just trying to get every single person. If you have a Lambo or Ferrari in St. Louis, I want you to know who I am. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, uh, it's crazy to me when I see a, uh, especially an exotic car with the shittiest photos. Like, yeah. what are you doing? It's yes. dirty. Uh -huh. I read Trump's art of the deal. And that's what he says. He yeah. goes, you really know you, when you see a loser, when they have a for sale sign on a dusty car. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's so funny to go back and look at like our initial listings or our first website we had and like how lazy I was with that. And then you start to realize like where people care and you just fine tune it. And yeah, like 
Absolutely. You go back, you look at my, my pictures from three years ago and my car listings, they were shit. You know, I leave the license plate on, there'd be dirt in there, whatever. And now it's like, we take a lot of pride in it. Have you ever had issues with the license plate and people calling in saying it's a stolen car? No, like uh, it's funny on the internet. Everyone puts like, does a thing where they put their thumb yeah, over the plate yeah. or like hides it. And like people won't give me their VIN number sometimes. I'm like, I don't know what you think I'm going to do with this info. Just PSA for anyone out there. Like you can let people have your VIN and your license plate. And I, it helps me in no way. Like yeah. I, I can't, scam you there's nothing i can do to fuck you that way right. it's mainly for celebrities and people just fucking with them yeah exactly like for celebrities i i understand that because if you really wanted to and you have someone who works for the police sure you could get their address with the license plate the vin number there's no reason to hide a vin well, number. do you know the other tactic they use just to fuck with them no they'll just call in and say like hey i'm justin bieber my car got stolen this is the license plate and I think I think they gotta have the VIN number, right? I'm I'm assuming. So maybe they somehow get the VIN number through the license plate, and that they just fuck with them. It's like swatting. Do you know what swatting is? Uh, that's so like it. Explain it. <laughs> like they do that to streamers a lot. They'll be like they'll they'll get the streamers' address. They're like playing Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. It's you should watch swatting compilations sometimes. Okay. It's crazy. And these people just to fuck with them will say, um. Hey, I'm a prisoner at 132 7th Street. Please go. He's going to kill me soon and all this stuff. And they say horrible things. And then Wall Street, you just see the SWAT team just kick down their so door. So like me calling in your address. Yeah. I, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Are there videos online of, like, the streamers having SWAT come Yeah, in? tons of them. Oh, that's incredible. Tons of them. Do people still do that? Uh, it's harder to do now. But, okay. yeah, it, they used to do it all the time. Think about that. That's hilarious. No, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, at, at least for me as a dealer, it's really frustrating because I need a VIN number to do pretty much anything. Like if you want a free offer on your car, send me VIN and miles. That's it. Um, and and people are like, well, you know, I don't want to give you that. It's a very private information. I'm like, I just want to check the Carfax, man. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I'm sure there's someone out there. Like I said, I got, I watched a guy get scammed out of 95 grand trying to buy a car. So it's wait what, what was that with like the mercedes story i was talking oh about, like, yeah you know, with fake titles and fake drivers that's more we stolen identities is more the, the stuff we run into oh yeah i bet your insurance is crazy yeah intern uh insurance to insure a 20 year old to drive lamborghinis and ferraris sucks yeah that's probably it costs well, more my insurance costs more than my rent well to drive it and then also to store it right because mm-hmm. it don't you have to insure the entire building and the building insurance fire insurance floods i mean if run into a, you know, someone backs into the McLaren, like it's like a $20,000 problem. Which is crazy. You leave yeah. those cars. I, I came home from Florida and I saw an Aventador <laughs> on the street where the buses are going by. So the Aventador doesn't fit in my parking spot. Like uh, Aventadors are really, uh, the clutches are really sensitive and a new clutch is at least 15 grand. That's like my call. If you went and took your Aventador, you're paying more like 25 or 30 ah, just yeah. for the clutch. And for me to get into that parking spot, the parking in this building sucks you know and i have that like pole next to me and then the asshole has this bmw x5 who parks right next to, on the line yeah so it's like it's too tight aventadors are massive so i'm like street safer i won't burn out my clutch trying to make like a 20 point turn backing and reversing um so i just leave it on the street <laughs> do you think the new aventador replacement is going to finally have the double clutch that everybody's absolutely. been asking for yeah absolutely i like the single clutch thing but i'm like i'm a you know, car guy. If, yeah. if you're not that into the car thing, the dual clutch is way better. I mean, that's why the McLaren's so nice. It's like driving a Range Rover around. Yeah. You know, and then you put it in sport mode, it's like a beast. They don't make any uh, manual cars anymore, really, right? No. Um, a manual, like a Ferrari 430 manual. So Ferrari 430 came out in 2005. They made it till 2009. 
Um, and the, the automatic was a $10,000 ad. So everyone got the automatic because it was the new hot thing. Well, now if you want the manual at 430, that car's worth 250000 and an automatic one's worth 100000 Oh, okay. So the, the manuals are worth way more. Uh, Lamborghini Murcielago is the last manual Lamborghini you can get besides a Gallardo. And a, automatic's about two hundred grand, like the one I bought this morning. And if that car was a manual, it'd be four or 500000 <laughs> Probably more like six hundred, <laughs> just for a stick shift, which I'm, I'm not that into the stick. What do you think the ratio is of, of Murcielagos Mer, Mer, out there? What do you think are uh, stick shift? There's only, oh, I used to know the exact number. Um, there's it's like 35 or 40 out of a few thousand that were produced. Oh. Yeah. Wow. But you anyone could get the manual. It was free to have a manual just at the time in 2000 that that's a car from 2002 to 2010. At the time, no one wanted it. Everyone wanted the new technology, the automatic. Yeah. So some people are doing conversions now. But the stick shift thing is like the new craze. Yeah. Everyone wants the sticks because there's just not many of them left. Makes sense. I don't care about it. I'm, I'm fine with the old you know, shift with the paddles. What do you think of the Herm, Hermes guy who, gets, who has the Bugatti Hermes? Um, who has... Is he, it, uh, did Manny Cushman? Is Manny that, Cushman, is yeah. That his? yeah. Um, man, he's got some cool cars. He's got he, some crazy cars. He's trying to do something really interesting with McLaren SLRs. Um, when Mercedes and McLaren partnered up to build a car called the SLR McLaren. And it's like, it kind of looks like a normal Mercedes SL, but to the average person. It, it's crazy. It's cool. It's got a V12 engine. He's trying to buy pretty much as many of them as he can and then control the market. So, yeah. So he has like six or seven of these things. He probably has more by now. Um, and he's trying to control the entire market by just raising the prices. So now he'll, he'll start putting one out on the market for like 500 grand when he bought them all at 200. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen his Bugatti. The Bugatti crashed in Chesterfield the other day. You see that? Mm-mm. Yeah. There's a, um, Lamborghini St. Louis got a two Bugattis in is like demo cars. The black and customers. blue ones. Uh, so they had a blue one that was blue carbon fiber. Yep. And then they got one called the pure sport that was gray. And like the salesmen right now are telling people that it didn't crash and it was an April fool's deal. There's literally pictures and videos of it. Yeah. With damage on it. They were test driving out in Chesterfield and they hit some like 16 year old girl on her way home from high school in her Toyota Camry. Oh, okay. They meant like actually hit her. No, no. They (laughs) they hit her Toyota Camry. She spun out into the grass. She was fine. But yeah, I mean, they crashed because it's a $4.6 million car. Crashed like 20 minutes away from Was here. it a potential customer who did it? I think so. Holy Because a lot of our customers will, are customers of theirs too. You know, they'll uh, like what's good for us, a lot of times people will buy cars from them and then consign them with us. So when they're done with it, then that's when I get the business. Um, but they invite customers down. Hey, come test drive the Bugatti. Come take a look at it, whatever. I think one of the customers was driving it and it hit the girl. I don't know the whole story yet. It'll come out in a few weeks. Wonder if that's going to show up on the Carfax. You know, yeah. it won't show up on the auto check. Yeah, a dirty Carfax Bugatti's got to be a million dollar loss. Yeah, in value, it's crazy. Easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you ever buy a car with a salvage title on it? What What the hell's going on with that whole market? Um. So, like the Carfax thing. Like, I'll buy cars that Lamborghinis are really easy to sell with accents on the Carfax. Like, if you wanted to buy a Huracan. Get one with an accent on the Carfax. It's fine. They're honestly super easy to sell. Ferraris, the opposite. Um, now, an accident on the Carfax, that's different from a salvage title. That's different title, right? than okay. salvage. So you still have a clean title. As far as salvage titles, I really don't mess with them. Uh, there's guys who are successful with them. I've sold, like, I had a twin turbo, 1400 horsepower Audi R8 that was a salvage title that I sold for, like, 65 grand. The white one? Uh huh. Yeah, the matte white car. Like, 60, 65,000 because it was what, salvage. What if it wasn't salvage? 100, 110, 120, maybe. Wow. Um, but you can't finance a salvage title car. So the guy, oh. I, so you got to find a cash buyer and like 80% of my buyers finance. Um, 
and then insurance companies are really weary because it's hard to evaluate what that car's worth. Right. It's it's just not a world I want to mess in. I tell people to stay away. Lemon law is a different deal. That's when, um, like you would say, hey, my Tesla steering wheel doesn't work. You know, like the, or you could even go in for a lemon law and say, uh, my headlights don't work. And Tesla's tried to fix it three times. They can't do it. So now I'm making Tesla buy it back. And that car becomes a lemon law. It, they buy it back at the full price, right? Tesla corporate will buy it back for the full value. And then you know, whatever you paid or your declared value, um, they'll buy it back. They fix it. And then they send it back out on the market. Well, that car now has a lemon law. Those cars are fine. They're, they're hard to buy because buyers are scared of them. But the reality is it went back to corporate. They fixed it. They made it a better car. And now it's for sale again. Just at, at one point, something was broken that the service department couldn't fix. Um, for the most part, I stay away from it. Clean title. And I'm fine with dirty Carfax. But I, I don't want the salvage stuff because m- most people finance. Um, I can finance a Lamborghini up to 15 years. So. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Just for being a dealer? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, for my customers. So I, I can finance, like I could give you a loan on a Lambo for 180 months. It's like taking a mortgage. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a, Have you ever done that with people? That's my most common way. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Probably 60, 70% go with 12-year financing. Oh. And then like 10% do the 15-year financing. So you put 20% down. Uh, interest rates between six and seven percent, and like you get to, you know, I sold <laughs> Alex sold a Ferrari for us, and the guy's payment out the door is like seven hundred bucks a month. Oh my yeah, god, isn't that crazy? Um, and he put fifteen grand down on or twenty grand down. So you got to have a seven twenty plus credit credit score, nine years of credit history. Uh, so they don't really like young people, and they look for to see that you've had other loans of similar values. Speaking of credit score, did I tell you about my story? I, th- I think I hinted it to you. Oh, before, something but happened that, with Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. When I dropped off the i8 to you, I was like, I'm buying, I'm getting this. Yeah. You were all gung ho on buying a mo- brand new one. A Model X lease. I've uh-huh. never leased a car, but I'm going to get this Model X lease. Yeah. And then they wanted 40% of the lease down. And I'm like, well, Credit Karma right here says 760. Why is this? And they're like, we don't really know. We can't really control it. They made some calls. They're like, we, is it, it's got to be 40% down. And the lease payment was like crazy. And I turn out Credit Karma saying my credit 760. It was actually 674. Because of a missed twelve dollar payment to that exist Concord from a year ago, and it dropped my credit score hundred points. Yeah, hundred <laughs> points because I missed a twelve dollar payment. Isn't that ridiculous? But then I paid this lady twenty five hundred. Now my credit's eight oh four. Who'd you pay? What? Some... I'll tell you off camera. Okay. I don't want to give yeah. a free promotion. I got you. <laughs> right, fair enough. Um, man, yeah, the credit thing. Like we we see it all the time. That's really. I mean, where the only reason I'm not able to sell someone a car is because I can't get them financed. Usually, like yeah. that's always the holdup, and. A lot of times, like I had a customer, the guy makes half a million bucks a year buying a $100,000 car, and he could not get approved for financing because he missed his charter payment from like three months prior. Oh, my God. Yeah, it, it's nuts. So we deal with that shit all the time. It's horrible. Um, speaking of off-camera stuff, we'll have to talk more about the, the front desk lady later. Oh, I, no, they, 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 they know. Oh, yeah, they it know. is a public deal. I, I, <laughs> someone made an Instagram account called Front Desk Lady. I saw and that. They're always messaging me. Every day I walk down now, it was ever since the Aventador, she goes, Oh, I saw you had that Lamborghini parked out front. And I'm like, yeah, because I, I left the lights on. So some they sent one of them up to my door to tell me that the lights were on in the car. Yeah. And ever since, I'm like, cover was blown. And uh. Uh, and she asked me, she's like, so are you hiring? Here, You know, here's I can do anything. I'll, I'll do whatever you want. Now, every time I see her, you got a job for me? You ready to give me a job? I'm like, no. <laughs> I've never even talked to you before. Please, just let me go to my room. She can do anything but stay out of people's business. Oh, my God, she's nuts. I'm just yeah. waiting for her to ask to go for a ride in the car. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah, it's I'm coming. Sure. I, I don't know how to sneak around, though, because I feel like she's watching me on the cameras, mm-hmm. so I don't want to risk Oh, she's it. definitely, because 
the day the day I reported, I think I said this in the podcast. Mm-hmm. I parked out front, got a parking ticket, which is dumb. Yeah, I every walked day. through the back door, and mm-hmm. then she just happens to be getting on at the same time. <sighs> I don't think so. And then when I got off the ninth floor to avoid her after she asked me to buy her groceries, mm-hmm. I waited there a minute. I pressed up, and then she was still on the elevator. So she <laughs> had to have pressed floor nine again, knowing that I was still there. So what did they say when you called and reported the whole deal? Like what I guess I went down an there for everyone. <laughs> I went down there and I told them like, this is what's happening. Uh-huh. And their response was, oh, we've actually seen her do that multiple times. And I've talked to three other people besides you okay. who, who they've asked in the building, in the building. And she's asked them to buy her stuff too, asking what's in the package and all this stuff, like super large breach of privacy now the red hair lady, she's awesome. the best. Uh, she I was just about to say, she's best. great. I love her. Like every time I come in, she plays with the dog. She's awesome, nicest lady in the world. She lets all my friends up, you know, because like some of them are real strict when my yeah. buddies come over. Yeah. She, they're like, nope, you, you got to come down. And that's you, you realize that's because your age, right? What do you mean? If if your friends were above forty, they let them all up. No shed. So they because sometimes like they'll let them up. You know, if the red hair lady's working, she lets them up. No problem. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, it can't be a company rule it's, it's unless she's age. bending it. So my theory is that not to point that the blame, sense. not to point the blame with that that front desk lady, but I think <laughs> she's the culprit of saying like, oh, COVID's hit. I don't want to talk. I don't want to get near anybody. But here's what happened. So you know the gray haired lady who's very yeah. business. Yes. Uh-huh. So They're, she never smiles, never says hi, nothing. Never. Which I, I liked at first, but one day she talked down to me in front of my friend, which I did uh, not like at all. Like you wouldn't have done that to yeah. me if I was older. And she wouldn't let him up to the fact she wouldn't even let them go through the door now because my friend got on the elevator on his own accord, and that's what she was yelling at me about. My friend did something. Hey, that's my friend. That's not me. Don't yell at me and don't yell at me at all. How about that? How about in general? Just chill. Okay. Like it couldn't have been that bad. (laughs) So I, three days later, uh, this girl comes over and she goes to that same lady and says, I'm here to see Sky Hills. And she goes, she's, he's going to have to come down to get you. So she Mm -hmm. waits for me. I go down and get her and she goes up. She goes, you won't believe what just happened. I go, what? She goes, so I asked to get let up. She goes, no, he has to come get you. And then this older guy comes in and says, Hey, I'm here to see Diane. In 1104 or whatever. I don't know if Diane's in 1104. <laughs> Sorry, Diane. <laughs> and and she was like, she said no, that she has to come down. And the guy was like, no, she he, she's expecting me. And then she's like, well, call, call her and, and see. And so the guy calls her. She says, yeah, let him up. And she let him up while, while your friend's my friend's sitting there. there. And I had to come down and oh, get I, her. I would have thrown a fit. It's an age thing. So I reported her too. And that was the main thing that, tr- that triggered me. Mm-hmm. And like, I hate to use the age thing. It's the age thing. Yeah. Because that makes no sense. You're letting this old guy up, but you're not so letting my your, young friend. Did your friend say something? No. Oh, if I was your friend, I would have raised hell over it. Yeah. She was pissed in the, in the elevator yeah. with me, yeah. but it, is, it makes no sense. So, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic here. Oh, I have not experienced. I, I moved in in uh, October, November. So I haven't experienced like a summer here. I'm hoping the the pool, the pool. is nice. And yeah, it is. Like, it's amazing. It's uh, at least it's younger people here. Like my last place, you know, if I walk too loudly and I, I get home from work at 11 30, 12, right. like that's, if my girlfriend's out of town and, and she's in school, she goes to school at uh, KU, I'm working. Like that's it. That's my only priority. Um, and then, so I get home late at night and the footsteps, or I'd bring home a Lambo at 12 o'clock at night and like this old raggedy oh, apartment man. building, you know, like those old brick places, they hated me. So at least here it's a little more private on that end. Yeah. Um, I want this unit though. This oh yeah. yeah. You miss the, the prime days of this place. Cause what they, what they used to do, I was here the first winter they mm-hmm. opened and they cranked the pool. First of all, 
The fact the amenities aren't open 24 hours, bullshit. Was that different? It was, it was 24 hours till COVID hit. And then oh they're, they're Trojan horsing all these things in. Uh-huh. Makes no sense, okay? So I'd always like, you, I remember coming home from a Drake concert fucked up three years ago <laughs> with this one girl at like 1 a.m. Uh-huh. And first thing we did, it was three degrees out, yeah. went right into the pool. It's a hundred and it's like 103 degrees, smoke's pouring out. Is the pool heated up there? Yeah, they can oh, crank it to 100 degrees. And then uh, they did that for the whole winter until like January. And then they're like, we were instructed by our safety coordinator that this is actually runs a risk to the foundation of the building. Because if the heat does go out mm-hmm. and that pool freezes yeah, over, fucked. this <laughs> unit is no more, uh-huh. you know. But those were the days, 24 hours and just like, but when summer comes around, they don't care about really mass or anything up up there in the yeah. pool it's like people are having a great time i was gonna say this building has been really relaxed with the covid stuff thank yeah. god because that was when i was looking at uh i looked at this and clayton on the park which Hell no. they don't have a balcony so i'm out there i, yeah. I have to have a balcony obvious reasons yeah <laughs> and then one cardinal way downtown is badass it um, is it's just not the area it's like cool <laughs> but like i don't want to hear gunshots one of my customers lives down there and he texted me. He's like, good thing you didn't move in. He's like, automatic gunfire for the past 30 minutes. Yep. You know? And I'm like, with the cars and everything, and I've got my dog. I don't want to have to take the dog out to go to the bathroom, you know, and, like, get shot while yeah. I'm standing there. Um, but it, it the they were way stricter with the COVID stuff, too. You know? Oh, yeah. Like they, they yelled at me when I was there for my tour to put a mask on. It was an instant turnoff. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, chill out. Yeah, there's no one even around me right now. So here it's been pretty relaxed. I've had a few dirty looks in the elevator if i forget a mask i saw a guy get punched because he wasn't wearing a mask i did that no you know the four corner rule in the elevator yeah so yeah. all four of us were wearing masks and then this like bigger 30 year old guy gets in the middle with no mask this old <laughs> man just starts punching him no shit yeah what happened he the guy was just like hey hey stop would you, would you quit it and then it was just like and then what he got off fucking deal yeah I, i'm yeah, I've, I've got plenty of feelings in, in regards to that. that I'll yeah, I mean, I, I, I was told by an old lady to put a mask on when I was at Lifetime. I was sitting in the corner in the cafe drinking a fucking energy drink, and she comes up and she starts yelling at me. <laughs> I just had my AirPods in. I couldn't, she was I, She was just like. Yeah. <laughs> All I could hear was like, you know, they're going to shut this place down if people don't keep yeah. wearing masks. Like, stupid. I got into it at the Ritz the other night. We went to Napoli for dinner, and then we ended up at the Ritz bar having drinks. And, like, it's me, Jonathan, and my girlfriend walking through. And sure enough, this lady's sitting there with her husband drinking and eating. And we're walking to our, you know, walking to the exit. And she's yelling. She doesn't have a mask on, but she's yelling at me that I need to have right. one on. And how dare I not have one on? I go, what, just because you're eating and drinking, you can't catch it? You know, but but you're going to tell me to put one on for you right now? And, and we're, like, 30 feet apart. Um, yeah. And in here... I don't think I've had any issues in this building. My old building, I had one lady, the lady who lived underneath me, like we crossed each other in the hall. She's like, turn around and face the wall. You know, what the (laughs) fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, it's a whole lot of people who never had a a feeling of authority before feeling Mm -hmm. like they now have it. Yeah, like I'm going to tell you what to do because this is how it needs to be done. Yeah, here, I'm so over that whole deal. Yeah. the power tripping is unbelievable. It's people, our customers come to our office uh, and, and it's like, they're like, do we have to wear a mask in here? And I'm like, you're good guys. Like, I'm like, if you need me to wear one or you ask me to wear one, I'll put one on. No problem. Ask. But if you're cool, I'm cool. Yeah. And it's everyone's acts like RP is like the safe space, you know, yeah. where you can like be yourself and be free for once. We shake hands in there still. And cause we, I'm here. I have the antibodies. I'm good. Like, right. If, if you have the antibodies or the vaccination, what's the reason for the mask? Well, they say the antibodies stronger than the vaccination itself. Yep. I've got the antibodies. Why would I wear the mask? At that point, it's just theater, right? Exactly. So I'm exactly. sure I'll piss someone off saying that. Yeah, <laughs> sure, but my following is pretty hip with it. Yeah. 
Well, anyway, oh. we're two hours deep on this, by the way. Did you know Shit, that? I had no idea. It goes by quick. Last time I saw it was at 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, is there anything else? Yeah, we're, what, what's your Instagram and website and everything? Um, so rpexotics.com. And my Instagram's Parker, I think it's Parker.rpexotics or Parker.rp.exotics. I'll link it in yeah, the description. Just type in Parker Gelber. I'm the only last name out there. Um, and then Modern Moving Company. And no, thanks for having me on, man. I know we've been talking about doing this for a while. And, and seriously, you're one of my favorite customers I've dealt hey. with. Because in terms of young guys who aren't arrogant and have an oh, ego, yeah. it's really hard to find. Um, who like can relate and just pick each other's brains and, and kind of feed off each other for success. Like I'm going to be asking about this drop shipping with the apparel thing. And you know, it's just one of those things. So I'm super happy we met and, and did this. Definitely comment two hour gang. Yeah. Listen to two hours. How long are most of your podcasts? Solo is an hour and then guests usually between an hour into two hours. My longest one's two and a half with Mikey Cass. I think I listened to that one. Is that, uh, I listened to the shoe guy. Oh yeah. That's a good one. And then there's another one I listened to the other day. Um, like a young guy who, maybe that was the shoe. Was it, was it a uh, young Lu- guy? Kind Luke of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Luke that's Annette. a good one. Uh-huh. That's my was, most popular one. Okay. Yeah. I listened to him and then what did, I'm, God, I'm trying to remember. What, I was so intrigued by the podcast. I'm like totally blanking now. And then the shoe guy in California. I, I love hearing how businesses got started. Do you remember the environment that I was in? Uh, one of them was in a shoe store and one of them was in here. I thought in here or did, was it like a brown tape? Because I, I had this set up in I watched, California. Like, I was walking. I walk uh, Cash, my Frenchie, you know, every morning. Oh, yeah. and, and when I walk him, sometimes I listen to your podcast. Hell yeah. Uh, we were listening to to that one just the other day when we were walking around. So I don't know. I can't remember. I had the video in my pocket. Definitely. Yeah. It feels good to have a guest on. Like, I feel like I'm going crazy just talking myself yeah. for so many episodes. I don't know. I watched uh, the other one. I watched the front desk lady one was hilarious. Oh, so I, had a, I literally, I, I think I sent you a picture. I'm at work. I have yep. one screen while I'm doing my accounting in the other. Yeah. So yeah, no, keep them coming. I'll, I'll watch them all. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for coming. Yep. Cool. Thank so you. Let's, let's go ride uh, in the 720S and the go-kart. It's McLaren and go-kart time. Yes, sir. <laughs>